Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to another fun field edition of Hashtag Football Friday right here on Sports Zone Chicago. We're live in the love of color. I'm Sid the Kid. That's me. That's Lakina McGee over there. That is she. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, it's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG if I can talk and get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you download the Sports Zone Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. There we go. <laughs> and also, too, you can catch all of the five live shows throughout the week. If you happen to miss them, you can watch them and, and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, you can always follow us on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, please find Sports All Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, Second City Sports, the audio version, you could do so by subscribing to War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including our iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type this in your search engine boxes on those podcast podcast platforms. You ready? W-A-R-R on Anchor. Once again, that's War on Anchor. You can also follow War Media at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. One more game that you young folks would say, you can find War Media at WAR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. You have any definite opinions during our topics, during our two-hour extravaganza, we call it Sports Talk Radio Show. You can always go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get the up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid, I'm giving Lakina full power to give you fools to beer lane beer boot. Bye-bye. I love when she says that. <laughs> but before we get started, we must, 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 must remind you that Sports Hall Chicago is also available now on Roku TV. That's right. Celebrate with the squad. Get with the program. Sports Hall Chicago is now on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku TV, just tap into the sports folder and download Sports Hall Chicago that way. If you don't have a Roku TV, that's okay. We know you have a streaming device, so two or three or four laying around, iPad, iTouch, iPhone, Chromebook like I'm using right now, or your personal PC. Mm-hmm. Just download the Roku TV app and access Sports Hall Chicago through that, through that avenue. There's no more excuses, so celebrate with the squad. 
get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV, real life, and on demand 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days a year. All right, Lakina, let's kick off this Friday edition, this hashtag Football Friday edition of Second City Sports by discussing Chicago baseball. The definition of expectation, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future, a belief that someone will or should achieve something, one prospects of inheritance. Lakina, I am discussing the 2022 Chicago White Sox after what happened on the South Side earlier this week. With the three game sweep. Yeah, I know it hurts. It hurts. It hurts White Sox Nation. The Cleveland Guardians on the, now on their way to clinching the 2022 AL Central Division Championship. They swept the White Sox, showing that one team is more focused than the other, showing that one team is more determined than the other, and showing one team that is more fundamentally sound than, than the other. Lakina, I'm going to save my frustrations for when our girl Christine Manica comes on with us next hour so we can get deeper into this. But, Lakina, I know we've been warning fans all season. I, I know you checked out a couple weeks ago, and many White Sox fans have checked out a few weeks ago. I get it. But, Lakina, we have all all, all season to, to discuss this. But what I saw at the end of the game on Monday, then the last two nights, uh, it, it's just been disappointing. It's one of those things where you thought, okay, Wednesday's game, they came back, you know, they tied, they forced it into extras. But unfortunately, you know, it was sort of like all square. And then uh, the Guardians score a fiver in the 11th, the top of the 11th, and that propelled them, propelled them to beat the Sox. And that was kind of like the start of, you know, what was ahead, unfortunately. And the Guardians were sweeping the White Sox. Guys like Hedges and Quan. Oh, yeah, and Jose Ramirez, of course. I mean, their guys stepped up. You know, Rosario, all of them, you know, you know they, they all mm -hmm. stepped up. Those guys stepped up. Their pitching actually was really solid. Now, they were able to get out of jams, you know, when the Sox you know, were, were trying to threaten. You know, the, the Sox, mm -hmm. I mean, the Guardians uh, pitching staff, you know, the, the, the bullpen stepped up and got them out of there. And if you saw last night's game, that was you – know, well, it was more or less more or less Wednesday's game where the Sox, you know, got you know, pummeled 8-2. to two. That mm -hmm. actually was a microcosm of the Sox season right there in that one game. Makata with a fielding error, which led to Cleveland. You have a big, a couple of big innings, and then everything else started you know, transpiring, mm -hmm. and they, everything kind of went haywire. So, look, I mean, the Sox, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to get into it because we got other better stuff to talk about. But the Sox got, I don't want to say the Sox got exactly what they deserve, but look, I checked out like like about a couple of months ago, like before the All-Star break, because everybody kept saying, oh, you know what? You know what? Oh, you know what? Look, you know, Minnesota, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, go, they're not going to go, you know, far. You know, they, they can beat Minnesota. I tried to tell folks and said, you remember this. Uh, look, there's a team called the Guardians that got a really good, you know, sort of, you know, mm -hmm. young staff of, a young core of players right there. Oh, uh, remember those guys? Don't ignore them. And then yep. sure enough, the Guardians came in and just, you know, like passed by like, oh, hello. So, you know, I think the elimination number is down to like five. I know Lance Lynn does yes. have some comments after uh, Wednesday's game. And yeah, yeah, you guys have played like poopy. Yeah, you guys did. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> what he said, but because, yeah. you know, there's a couple of swear words there because Lance we were talking about. But yeah, so I, 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 look, I don't know what else to tell you guys. Look, but you were warned. Just saying. 
Yeah, we warned you guys, especially, you know, I was trying to jump on that Cleveland bandwagon after they beat Minnesota, the, the two series in late June, early July, of course, they went on, on the struggle train, but they picked it up right after the All-Star break while the Twins uh, falter in the White Sox. They, they eventually faltered too. It just took them a little bit longer to complete that part of the mission. But I want to discuss the Cleveland Guardians for a minute. One, the White Sox finished the season 7-12 and 12 against them. Or obviously, that's not going to cut it. Number two, they have some gamers over there. We, you talk about Jose Ramirez. You, you talk about Ahmed Rosario, but their leadoff hitter, hitter Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan. It, oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, he's if not the best. One of the best is not the best in baseball in terms of leading off. The team does mm -hmm. not have a lot of power, but they have a lot of speed. They remind me of a slightly above average Tampa Bay Rays team, and that's what the Sox try to play like, but – you don't have that personnel, so it's not going to work. <laughs> well, get someone gets on base, and that's exactly what leads to sort of like that thing where it kind of like opens up the offense for them. So he's one of the reasons. He's probably one of the unsung heroes of that Guardian squad, and he's one of the reasons why Cleveland is what they are right now. And I believe the elimination number is five down to five for the Sox. So you know the Guardians have to play the. They go on the road still, consider their road trip. They play the uh, the Rangers, I should say. So they should be able to at least win two out of three there. The Sox go to Detroit, so. Okay. Yeah, so let's not forget to for Cleveland. They also have Josh Nail, who's been a thorn on the White Sox backside all year. Mm -hmm. Remember May 9th? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you <laughs> saw what he you saw what he did on Monday. Not on Monday, but uh Tuesday's game. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday's game. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. But uh I'm, I'm with our guy Herb Lawrence from CHGO Sports in Chicago, who covers the White Sox friend of the show. We'll have him on this program again soon. But he says that, and I agree with him about the about the Guardians. You really want to hate this team, but you can't. No, they can't. You got to gotta respect it before the way they play the game. You got to give manager Terry Francona credit uh, for that. I know their mm -hmm. ownership refuses to suspend. They did not make not one single move at the trade deadline. They weren't supposed to win this year. Nope. But Terry Francona identified his personnel on uh, on his squad. Uh, he had he had them buy into a brand of baseball he wanted them to play. They're getting it done, and they're gonna cause some problems come playoff time. Well, look, I mean, this isn't, you know, Franco's first uh, first rodeo. So he was able to no. sort of see and look, he, was, he gets the best out of, their, out of his guys. That's why he's one of the best managers, you know, current managers of the last, you know, 20 or 30 years because he's able to get the best of the guys that they got. And look, the older, like you said, the older ones are going to spend. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline. But look, they used what they got and look where they're at now. So <laughs> this is Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Lakina McGee, Cindy Brown with you. All right, so let's go up north because, you know, this is a Sox thing. I'm glad we only got two more weeks of this. So, But on the <laughs> flip side, though, the Cubs, they've, they've won three in a row. They, you know, they win two out of three against the Marlins, and they win the opener against the Pirates. And Hayden Wozneski, I think I hope I'm getting his name right, had a quality start. Uh, he pitched 13 innings with 13 strikeouts, you know, quality start that led them in that win against the Pirates. They needed the bullpen help a little bit to kind of, you know, there, but you know, just an immaculate inning, you know, you know, like I think he had like, like there were like you know, three straight outs after like six strikes or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why you know, immaculate inning, you know, that's probably one of the rarities that that happened. So he gets a second win of the season. You love to see you know, stories like this, you know, guys, you know, come in and kind of like get their feet went in the majors and then come over and help their team win. And look, the, 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 the March to 70 is on, they're at 65 and 85. They're continuing their series against the Pirates through the weekend. What do you think about how the Cubs, how they've been doing? Uh, first of all, do, uh, during that Marlins series, you got got have guys like Hermosillo and Christopher mm -hmm. Morales. Bat is finally starting to wake up. I know he's not going to win in our rookie of the year, but that's besides the point. But as we said before, uh, when the Cubs score runs, they score them in bunches. 
and with their bullpen, it's been MIA all year. It's hot one minute, cold the next. But playing against these uh, lesser teams like the Marlins and now the Pirates are starting with that series last night. You see, you are seeing what this Cubs team is made of. The question is, is are we going to keep asking this until the offseason begins? What will GM Jet Hoyer going to do? Will he mm-hmm. bring in some veteran guys to make the team competitive next year? We'll see. You, you still have some young guys that you can build around, especially with the pitching. Looks like this, that's that's what they start going to start with with their foundation first. But some of the everyday players, I know they cut Frank Schrader. Thank goodness he wasn't doing anything anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. some of the key young guys, uh, you still have to find out uh, who they are, and uh, maybe a couple of them you could pawn off in a deal uh, during the off season. But you still have to give manager David Ross credit for getting these guys up in playing it's easy to do that when you're not in the pennant race but you 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 tell uh, the, the guys that who are playing they really want to play it, we, all, we always say character uh, reveals uh, itself when when times are down hey the cubs are having fun there's no expectation you could tell that guys are, are really really playing hard as you mentioned Lakino on our last show on monday and they're really doing this without a couple of key guys including wilson Contreras, which we're unfortunately we're watching his final days in the cubs uniform yeah, and I think that's what you want. I mean, yeah, the pressure's off. You know, they've been eliminated from a playoff contention for like the last three months. But this is what you want from your team, especially if you're trying to up and coming, you know, guys that are trying to kind of like, you know, fight for their spots next year, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, be right there. Seeing guys like Wisniewski, you know, come in and pitch with the way he's been pitching. You know, Morrell, you're finally getting back to kind of like he's he's been cold the last couple of months, but he's starting to heat up again. Seeing, you know, guys like Ian Happ, this could be like one of the last days we see him in the coast uniform. Uh, you know, seeing other guys like that, sort of, this is like Vasquez last, last has been really solid too. He was great in that Marlins series. So it's sort of one of those things where you're kind of like, you, you know what? You sort of have to give them credit, give David Ross credit, give this team credit. Now, again, you know, if you're the future, I mean, I, I think I would rather be the, I know this might sound weird, but I think I would rather be the Cubs and the White Sox because you don't know what the White Sox, you know, are going to be doing after the offseason. You know, so could, a lot of these guys could be gone. So I think if you're, if I have to think about the future, the next two, three years, I think I would rather be a Cubs fan than a White Sox fan. But here's the thing. What will Jet Hoyer do this offseason? Well, because the Cubs have money. Are they going to stick with the plan or are they going to fall under the pressure of, of, of many of the fans' expectations saying, well, you got you to go get some veterans because MDCs at Wrigley Field cannot continue much longer. So they had a crosswords as well. I know on paper it looks like they have a brighter future than the Sox, but let, let's see if they can stick with the plan or try to make this a competitive team. They're at a crossroads right now. Our buddy Vernon uh, fairly said, a rest in peace to the 2022 White Sox campaign. Yeah, I know, I know. The taps, <laughs> the taps going, I get the taps going. But uh, let's talk about baseball, like, nationally. Said, and we'll, we'll probably finish this up as we go to break. But it's sort of, you know, the, the Yankees, Arages, the Chase is 62. I know uh, Roger Maris's family is there. They're at the to continue their series against the Red Sox, if you saw it last night, you know, it's sort of, <laughs> it was sort of interesting, but because it was really, that, you know, Judge, you know, his home run, it was really close. It just hit the, yes, like, just like got the other side of the foul pole. So, unfortunately, that didn't, you know, that that didn't, you know, he could get there. But Josh Donaldson came in and, you know, hit the walk off with RBI. So that, that sort of propelled them there. They've already now clinched a playoff spot and trying to sort of, you know, put some distance between the Blue Jays and the Rays. Um, so the other ones, of course, you know, the Mets, they clinched the playoff first. So the Braves, they're still battling it out for the eight, the NL East, I should say. So that, should, that could come down to the last week and a half of the season. 
The, the Cardinals are starting to pull away. You know, of course, Albert Pujols closer and getting closer. Not at 700 yet, but he's getting close. And some of the other uh, things that are happening. What, 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 what caught your eye this week in MLB? Even though they won yesterday, your Seattle Mariners, they struggled in Oakland this week. Yeah. Oakland's been a silent painter on their side this season. <laughs> mm, yeah, they have. And that's not, yeah, that that's, I was, yeah, that, that really like hurt, hurt them a lot. So, and, you know, Baltimore, I think they may have enough just to sort of, you know, hold off Baltimore, but look, Baltimore, mm-hmm. they're starting to, they're trying to hang in there. But it, like I said, it looks like the game's just right there for them at this point. The Blue Jays and the Rays, are kind of, I think they're going to be battling out to see who will have to play. Maybe Minnesota. I guess. I guess how the seeds go. I guess is going to be like whoever gets it. The last, the wild card team will. I guess will face the. I guess like the lowest rated. The lowest yeah. So three. And, yeah. The, yeah. The three and six. We talked about this before we went on there. It's the three. The first two seeds will get buys in a wild card round. The number three seed right now in the American League is Cleveland because they're there will be division champions. They'll have to host Seattle. Seattle mm-hmm. finishes number six. And so as we talked about before we went on there. Too bad that game, that series is not a five-game series or an ALCS because those two teams are – I know Seattle had a minor struggle early this week, but the, those two teams, if you're Houston, if you're the – especially the Yankees, because mm-hmm. I think Houston is the best team in the AL. But if you're the Yankees and some of these other teams, Toronto and Tampa, I do not want to play Cleveland right now. I sure as hell do want to play Seattle right now because both those teams have great pitching, starting pitching, and great bullpens, and that's what wins you games in the playoffs. Because you, you know as well as I do, runs come at a premium during the playoffs. Absolutely. And, of course, the NL, that's where it really gets interesting. Of course, you know, Atlanta, they've already clinched with uh, – we'll, we'll see where they're at. You know, will they win mm-hmm. the division? Will they get one of the wild cards? So, you know, San Diego, they're still a half game up on Philly, who are two – They've been half. hot lately. Yeah, they have. And, you know, and the White House face them next week too. So, that's that's going to be <laughs> – They'll probably pop in champagne, clinching the playoff spot, rubbing in the Sox faces. <laughs> Well, that, that would be interesting. <laughs> Manny Machado, that might be interesting. Uh, Good uh, one. Phil- <laughs> right? I Take mean- your $250 million and shove it. <laughs> uh, right? Uh, the, <laughs> the Phillies. The Phillies, of course, you know, they win that that opener against Atlanta, keeping, you know, trying to keep pace in that last wild card spot because Milwaukee's been kind of been breathing down their neck. So mm-hmm. these last this last week and a half, this is going to be sort of one of those things where Sid, it may – it's going to be a lot of maneuver. They're going to be there's going to be a lot of you know push pulling. So these last twelve games for some of these teams, or I guess depending on you know 12, 13 games, I guess depending on how you know how your schedule is. I mean, this is going to get down to the wire. You can't afford to have make any mistakes as we get closer and closer. Especially if you're getting you're right there in that wild card chase. Yeah, especially with the wild card chase, you know, teams are positioning, uh, making moves, and I'm uh, sure some of the teams they want to make it public. Uh, we don't want to face this team or that team uh, in the wild card round, or if we get to the ALDS. And so, like I said, positioning is very important, and it's very important also to play your best baseball going into the playoffs. So you have, they say, 12, 13 games remaining. Let's see what happens. Who steps up? Who separates themselves from the rest of the pack? Going into that scheduling, speaking of you, I'm glad you said that, Sid. Nice little segue there as we finish up the baseball, as we get to break. Uh, of course, the Cubs and the Pirates, we talked about that. Milwaukee and Cincinnati, you know, try to keep pace in the NL uh, wild card race. The Brewers are Washington and Miami. They got Atlanta and Philadelphia. Of course, Philadelphia won the first game of that four-gamer. And then, you know, Boston and New York. 
Uh, they continue their series. It'll be it'll be on Apple TV Plus, and of course, Michael K is not going to do that game. But apparently, I guess ESPN is going to be doing a lot of live, and Fox is going to be doing a lot of live looking. So I, I guess mm-hmm. that's how that's going to work. I think our buddy Rose Dorsey is going to be there too, I believe. Uh, so you know, we might be seeing history. We'll see. Uh, Houston and uh, Baltimore. You know, Houston, they're still trying to get to that that top spot in the AL. Mm-hmm. So they still got a lot to play for. And Baltimore trying to keep pace there. Toronto and Tampa, they continue their uh, their series. Cleveland and Texas, like we said earlier, you know, Cleveland, you know, they're they're in the driver's seat in the AL Central, and the Angels and the Twins. So, you know, Twins trying to keep their very slim pay- playoff hopes alive. Yeah, finish out the rest of the schedule for this weekend. San Diego at Colorado. That's a bigger series, obviously, for San Diego. Mm-hmm. Seattle at Kansas City. Kansas City fired their uh, player personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, who was in charge earlier this week. Maybe that's the person the White Sox should look at. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, um, the New York Mets at Oakland tonight. Hopefully they don't have another stumble against another bad team like they did against the Cubs mm-hmm. of, over a week and a half ago. San Francisco, Arizona. And the second game of that Apple TV Plus doubleheader tonight as Albert Pujols tries to chase history. It's the St. Louis Cardinals at Dodgers Stadium to take on the Dodgers. Could be a playoff preview. We'll see whether mm-hmm. it's you know, the NLDS or the NLCS. We'll see. It was a great happens. wild card game last year. Yes, it was. <laughs> Between that these was two a teams. Really, really got you know, Dodgers won it in like about 11 innings. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Tigers and Cubs. I mean, Tigers is White Sox. I say that's the ESPN Plus game. We're sorry for all you, uh, for all of us nationally. Uh, <laughs> St. Louis and uh, Dodgers will be on ESPN Plus. And of course, the Red Sox Yankees uh, will be Sunday night baseball. I'm sure the ESPN folks are hoping that uh, Aaron uh, Judd holds off on the 60 second home run. You know, wait till you know they they you know they start showing the game as well. Yeah. Now this is probably one of the few times that ESPN Sunday night baseball could potentially beat out the NFL. Potentially. Maybe we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, and that is your schedule for this uh, penultimate uh, week of the MLB regular season. Week three of the college. Football season kicks off, kicked off yesterday. We have a few games tonight. Rest of the slate tomorrow. We'll preview the key games from the world of the college pace skin, and we'll give you our quick review of last night's Thursday night football contest between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns and much more. I'm Sydney Brown. That's Lakina, Lakina McGee. You're listening to the Hashtag Football Friday edition of Second City Sports live in the 11 color right here on SportsZone Chicago. The Earth is 70% water. And 30% land. But the entire sky belongs to us. Everybody in a work zone is someone, somebody. This is my mom. She works for KDOT. This is my dad. This is my mom. This is my daddy. This, this is, is my, my sister. sister. <laughs> 
Here's my daddy. This is my son, Scott. He was killed while working in a highway work zone. When you drive through a work zone, drive like a life depends on it. Because it does. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to Hashtag Football Friday, the edition of Second City Sports. We're live in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, it's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kingdom again on the Twitter and at Kingdom Score again on the IG. And we have less than 90 minutes left of this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always go to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. This is Lakina's favorite time of the week during the football season. It is time for week three from the world of the college pigskin. But first, before we preview Saturday's big games, let's review a, a couple of games that took place last night. Uh, West Virginia gets by Virginia Tech 33-10. to 10. For the West Virginia Mountaineers, JT Daniels, 20 of 30 for 203 yards and the score. Yeah, nice win for them. And unfortunately, you know, Virginia Tech, they're going through a rebuild. So not a big surprise that, you know, these two rivals has been one-sided. So nice win for uh, West Virginia. They're three and one. And uh, yeah, should be a, they got a couple interesting games coming up. We'll get to that next week. Now, mm-hmm. Illinois, do what you're supposed to do when you're much better to a team you're much better than. They shut out <laughs> UT Chattanooga 31 nothing, And uh, some, a little bit of history was made with Illinois. Of course, you know, Tommy DeVito threw for 329 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, Chase Brown had 108 yards and a touchdown. And <laughs> Pat Bryant and Isaiah Williams each had a touchdown apiece, you know, a receiving touchdown. And also, too, they both – uh, had you know over 100 receiving yards. Brian had 112, and Williams had 103. I think that's the first time ever 
that in the program's history that Illinois had a hundred yard rusher and two uh, and not one but two hundred yard receivers in the same game. So mm-hmm. that that that's that's crazy when you think about it. Some of the rich history rich history the Illini has had, but you know they're three and one right now and uh, looking pretty good. Getting you know hopefully they'll be bowl bound. We'll see once they start Big Ten play. Yeah, that's what I said. I want to see how Illinois plays when the Big Ten season starts in a couple of weeks. And one more final from last night. Coastal Carolina gets by Georgia State 41-24. to Now, here are some of the big games you should watch for for tomorrow. At 11 a.m. on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus, number one Georgia, uh, the defending national champs, will host Kent State. Georgia's favorite by 45. That should be no problem. At 11 o'clock at Central Standard Time on Fox, big news Saturday is the number four Michigan at the big house hosting the 3-0 Maryland Terrapins. Lakina, call me crazy, but I didn't see this hot stuff of Maryland coming. Yeah, I mean, the Maryland's you know, been playing pretty well. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah they, they play Buffalo, Charlotte, and SMU. So it's not, well, it's not the SMU game. I mean, they have the first two opponents, you know, no, no shade, but they, not exactly the sort of, this is probably kind of where a lot of people in Maryland thought that they would be. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody, I, do I, you know, Tulula, Tulula Tagovaiola, that's Tua's uh, kid brother, has been playing very well for them, already has six touchdown passes so far this season. It'll be interesting, you know, I'm not saying that Michigan should be an upset alert, but I think they're not going to look past this game. I think, like I said, I think that defense of Michigan is on a mission. They've been getting better and better. This might be the first, like, big test for them. So we'll see how they do. And uh, the quarterback carousel continues over up in Michigan. So we'll just see how this responds there. Now, at the mm-hmm. same time on ABC, this is a big one, said in the ACC, you got Clemson and Wake Forest. Uh so this is going to be very interesting because this could kind of set the tone for the ACC. Yeah, and also, too, uh, with uh, first of all, with Dabo Sweeney, he's going to be running out the tunnel again real fast like he's stealing money off a bank. <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. see about that. But uh, keep your eyes on a couple, a couple of players from, uh, from each team. Real Shipley from Clemson, uh, mm-hmm. their star running Shipley. back, 32 carries. Oh, Shipley, but, yeah, yeah, Shipley, yeah, yeah, 32 carries, so 249 yards and six touchdowns so far this season. And uh, the Demon Dickens, uh star wide receiver, uh, at Perry, A.T. Perry, <laughs> mm-hmm. 12 catches, 222 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he needs to have a big game if they want to pull out the upset at home. Both defenses, though, I, I would think that that's going to be the key here. Of course, Wake Forest has given up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to – their last couple of games, they gave up 36. They had literally had to claw their way against Liberty last week. So their defense is going to be sort of the key here. And we'll see. I mean, Clemson's defense will be getting better and better better too. So we address to see which defense steps up here. Uh, Central Michigan and Penn State, you know, Big Ten Network. Baylor and Iowa State, that should be an interesting one there. <laughs> Uh, Iowa State lost a tough one last year against Baylor, so I'm sure they're going to mm-hmm. be looking for some revenge. This is going to be a very interesting game. They'll be at 11 a.m. on ESPN too. Yeah, bigger game for Baylor because they're two and one already so far this season. Iowa State is at three and zero. I want to go back to the Central Michigan Penn State game for a moment. I know Penn State was coming off for a big win at Auburn last week. They favored by 28. Uh, should sh- do you worry about a letdown from the Nittany, Nittany Lions or not yet? Yeah, I think they should be able to, you know, Central Michigan, I mean, they're okay, but they're not great. So I don't, they're one and two. Michigan is a Chippewa. Central Michigan mm-hmm. is a Chippewa. So I shouldn't be, I'd be worried too much about a letdown for Penn State, but 
you know, you never know. I'm sure James Frick will have his guys ready at uh, this 11 a.m. game on FS1. No post-college basketball season has not started yet. So you still got about <laughs> over a month for that. But uh, Duke and Kansas both undefe- undefeated. Go <laughs> figure. And I Kansas guess, is favored by seven points. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I'm no. a little surprised that uh, I'm a little surprised that you know game day is not there. But you know, but look, it, it's sort of interesting to see you know how all this plays out. I mean, Lance Leopold has been mm-hmm. doing a great job rebuilding that you know Kansas program. Mike El- Echo, no one really thought that Duke would be undefeated. Of course, they had that big upset win against Northwestern mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So I don't think anybody saw this coming. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see who's going to remain undefeated after this game. Go figure. <laughs> yep. At 1 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. local time out there on the West Coast on the Pac-12 Network, the 3-0 UCL, UCLA Bruins, who cannot draw any fans, and it's more than just the heat out there. Mm-hmm. They'll travel to Boulder, Colorado, at Folsom Fields to face the Colorado Buffaloes. They are winless on the season at 0-3. Shouldn't be a problem for uh, UCLA. I know that uh, some people were sort of like wondering how they were celebrating against South Alabama, but they've been doing that like since Chip Kelly's gotten there. So I think people need Mm -hmm. to kind of slow down on that. But I mean, Colorado, they're going through a rebuild. Carl Durrell, I know that he's, you know, know, they're they're going through a lot. So this is a team that he used to coach too. So certainly wise, they'll probably be better than the game. I don't think the game will be, you know, totally one sided now. On two at two thirty, you know, first of the SEC uh, games on CBS. Old rivals, you know, playing against each other. You got Florida, number 20, Florida, and number 11, Tennessee. That should be a fun one down at Neyland Stadium, I should say. Yeah, remember I was uh, uh, talking to you about uh, Tennessee last week. That crowd was lit at night. And uh, or, or is that program back? Uh, uh, this is going to be another personal test, in my opinion, there at home. You know, like you said, two uh, old-school rivals in the SEC. I, I believe their star right receiver, uh, uh, Jalen Hyatt is going to have a big game. He has three receiving touchdowns so far this season off of 267 yards and 18 catches. But uh, in my opinion, I think Tennessee has got to run the football with some consistency, keeping that Gators defense on his heels. Well, yeah, and I think Anthony Richardson, I know some people in Florida are raised to you know, saying that he shouldn't be the starter since he's cu- he struggled the last couple of games. But mm-hmm. this will probably be a test of how he's really good because that Tennessee defense is actually pretty – actually is pretty good, so – We'll see how – this is going to be a big test for both these teams. So this is going to be kind of like the, the the measuring stick of how these teams are going to be throughout the rest of the year. Now, Texas and Texas Tech at that same time on ESPN, that should be an interesting one there. You know, mm-hmm. these two teams, you know, have had their battles over the years. So this should be very interesting down there in Lubbock. Yep, and Texas is favored by seven points. At the same time on the ACC network, Middle Tennessee – Texan at two and one, they'll travel to the U to face the Miami Hurricanes. They're ranked number 25. Miami, as I told you on Monday, Lakina, very disappointing performance offensively at Texas AM last Saturday night. They're checking with at two and one. They should be able to win this game. They're 25 and a half point favorite. I want to see better quarterback quarterback play out of Miami, especially with Van Dyke. Uh, they should be able to rack up some points. Well, yeah, that Blue Rays team though is actually pretty good. So I'm not saying that Miami should be on upset alert, but I'm saying mm-hmm. that you know don't don't look past it. But I'm sure they're going to want to make a point after you know they let a, had a lot of chance to slip away over at Kyle Field last week at AM. Now Notre Dame and North Carolina at 2:30. This should be an interesting one here down in Chapel Hill. So I'm wondering that this should be an interesting one 
you know, mm -hmm. Mac Brown against Marcus Freeman. So this should be an interesting uh, game here. That'll be on ABC. This is what I'm looking forward to here too, Sid, uh, on BTN about that same time. You got Minnesota, a lot of people, now they're kind of in the driver's seat. You will perhaps go win the Big Ten West. They face Michigan State over at uh, Spartan Stadium on, at mm -hmm. East Lansing. That should be a fun one. Yeah, Minnesota checks in at 3-0. Michigan State is 2-1. Michigan State lost at Washington State, I believe, last week. So they're coming off a tough loss on the West Coast. Uh, Minnesota has been, been solid so far in this early season. This is a first uh, uh, for both teams in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, watch out for Muhammad Ibrahim uh, yes. for Minnesota. They start running back 60 ca 67 carries so far, 464 yards and seven touchdowns. He's going to have to have a big game to take pressure off that quarterback. Tanner Morgan for Minnesota also, too. Mm -hmm. This is like the seventh year. But he's been there forever, it seems. But <laughs> probably since the Obama administration, that's just a joke. But, uh, yeah, he's you know he's faced his team before, so I think he knows what mm -hmm. to expect. So this shouldn't be a problem. This could, this could, could go down to the wire up in East Lansing. So that should be a fun one on BTN. That same time on ESPN2, you got Indiana and Cincy. That should be an interesting one there. No, again, college college hoops has not started yet, so relax. <laughs> and this is not the rematch of the 92 uh, national semifinal in the final four. <laughs> Going on the way back Corey Blunt, Albert Cheney. Uh, let me move on. Nick Van Exel, yeah, among others. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Van <laughs> Knight. <laughs> real quick, uh, Lakina, real quick, uh -huh. real quick. Uh -huh. I, I, I kid you not, or as young folks would say, no cap. There's a YouTube channel dedicated to Nick Van Exel games. I saw it last night. Oh, so oh, for okay. those of you that are interested on YouTube, look up Nick Van Exel Games. There's a Nick Van Exel YouTube channel. Someone created it. Oh, okay. Nice. I, yeah. hope, like I hope he's yeah. some royalties from that. Uh, you would think. <laughs> yeah, I'll say on Fox, the big Fox network, uh, 3 o'clock, Oregon and Wazoo, Washington State. That Washington State defense, I've been saying, that should be you know, interesting to see how they face against mm -hmm. Oregon's offense with Bo Nick. So this should be a fun one over in Pullman, Pullman I should say. Yeah, like I said, it's a Pac-12 rivalry. Oregon had that battle with BYU last week. Of course, Washington State took care of Michigan State. It's a home game for the Cougars. Let's see if they can respond. Oregon, we know they can bring it offensively, especially in the passing game. But let's see who, who makes the big play defensively, especially if it gets close down the stretch. Should be interesting there. Oregon's too. favored by six and a half. Okay, I can kind of see that going on there. Uh, Northern Illinois has a tough one on ESPN two. They play, uh, they they go at Lexington. They play Kentucky at at six o'clock mm -hmm. on ESPN two. So that should be interesting there. Uh, SEC uh, matchup here on ESPN. At the same time, we got Arkansas and Texas A and M over. <sighs> this is going to be actually interesting. This is actually going to be at Texas at AT and T Stadium in Arlington. So this is a there's like old else old Southwest Conference rivals facing each other. So it's basically an, even though it could be a, a home game for Texas A and M, uh, that's really a neutral site game. Yeah, it's not. It's not actually not that far from where uh, the University of Arkansas is. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a neutral site game. Yeah, so that's that's like I said, old Southwest Conference rivals. You remember that conference sit uh, facing each other? That should be a fun one. Yep. They were at Jerry's World. KJ Jefferson, uh, the guy that can both pass and run the ball too for mm -hmm. Arkansas. He's the QB. Um, also, uh, probably one of the probably one of the better rubbacks. He was like the reason why I guess you know Devin uh, a, a chain a cane. I think that's how you say his name. You know, he kind of kept you know Miami's offense off the field. He kind of kept the chains moving for uh, the Yaggies last Saturday. So this should be a fun one down there over at Jerry's World. Yeah, it could be a letdown for Texas A&M after beating Miami the way they did in that low-scoring game last Saturday night. But watch out for Aeneas Smith, uh, the stud wide receiver from the Aggies. He has two touchdowns so far this year 
off of 14 catches to 259 total total yards. Iowa, Iowa, I should say, Rutgers. Easy for me to say. That's the night game <laughs> on FS1. Yes, that's easy for me to say. You know, forward, oh, you know, for the first time since 2012, uh, Rutgers is that's where they're seeking to with this game against Iowa. So, Graciano's back at it and uh, over uh, New Jersey, and uh, he's got his guys playing well. So, this should be a this should be interesting. Yep. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago on the hashtag Football Friday, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We preview some of the key games in college football for tomorrow's week three action. At 6 o'clock p.m. on the NFL Network, the Battle of the Sun Belts, the, the Marshall, the, the, the Marshall, the Marshall team, the Thundering Marshall heard. team. We are Thundering Marshall. Thundering Herd. Thundering Herd. Thank you. The Marshall, Marshall Thundering Herd. They'll take on Troy. Marshall ch- checks in at two and one, Troy one and two. Should be an interesting one there, you know, on NFL Network. Uh, Vanderbilt and Alabama. I don't know what the I don't know what the point total is, but I guess uh, the actually... overall the total is fifty nine, and Alabama's favored by forty and a half. Okay, uh, Vanderbilt's undefeated right now, so well, they're three and one, three and well, three and one. I should say they mm-hmm. played the extra game, but yeah, take the under. I would say I don't think they're I don't think Alabama's gonna ha- go all the way to around the world with them but uh we'll see what happens uh the night game on abc you got wisconsin uh at ohio state that should be a fun one over at uh in columbus yeah let's see if wisconsin can uh, use their running game t- to their advantage and let's see if ohio state uh can maintain uh, maintain their composure defensively i want to see cj stroud uh, it's another prime time game for that young mate at quarterback mm-hmm. for the buckeyes let's see if he, he if he responds under the lights should be interesting where they'll be on ABC. That's the night game there. Uh, of course, Utah, U- UConn and NC State. And uh, Miami of Ohio. Not Miami of Florida, but it's either, these are the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio in the MAC. Uh, they place Northwestern. That's at 630 on the Big Ten Network. Hopefully, your guys can uh, get together, City or Wildcats. <laughs> My Wildcats now. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, Charlotte and <laughs> South Carolina, that'll be on ESPNU at the same time. Also, to the, the ultimate game for the Big Ten Network, you got uh, Florida Atlantic and Purdue. Purdue hoping to bounce back from that disappointing loss to Syracuse. Yeah, they need this game in the worst way. We'll we'll see uh, how Purdue responds, especially Aiden O'Donnell there, the quarterback. He needs to have a better performance. And watch out for that stub wide receiver, Charlie Jones, as well. He has five touchdowns already so far in this early season. So Purdue definitely needs a bounce-back game. They're favored by 16 and a half points. Mm, okay, they should be able. They should be able to cover that. Uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma. We'll see how Kansas State's mindset is after uh, the disappointing loss at home to Tulane. That should, but I think if you're Oklahoma, you better try and sort of like take it out on them while their defenses are down. That'll be on yep. Fox at seven o'clock. And also at seven o'clock, uh, West Coast football a little bit early for Lakina. On four, New Mexico State. They'll host one and three Hawaii. Well, thankfully, that's not going to be on television anywhere, so we won't have to <laughs> worry, about, worry about that. Uh, Florida State, uh, they host Boston College. That'll be on, on the ACC Network at 7 o'clock. That should be a fun one. USC and Oregon State, that's you know at 8.30 on the Pac-12 Network. Oregon State, they're 3-0 and as well, so uh, I think SC should be on upset alert. I mean, Oregon State, actually, they got a pretty good squad over there and uh, at you know, I'm sure the place is going to be rocking over there at Corvallis, so that should that should be a fun one, too. Of course, you guys can check that out on the Pac-12 Network. Yep, it's a home game for Oregon State. The Beavers are six-point underdogs. Okay. 
Uh, Wyoming and BYU. That's a nine fifteen. We're going to the late games here. Yeah, you're watching uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, ESPN two. That should be a that should be a fun one, of course. But BYU coming off that loss to Oregon. Uh, Wyoming. They're at three three and one as well. Three and one. So that should be an interesting one over there at Provo. So that should be a fun one. And uh, Utah and Arizona State on ESPN. I'm sure they're going to be they're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that's going to be going on because apparently, I guess according to some uh, rumors that. Uh, Herb Edwards, of course, now the former head coach over at Arizona State. Apparently, his his assistants were actually telling, uh, allegedly, were telling the other teams their game plan. So, I, I that, that that was like, okay. Uh, was this the okay. 1970s or the 80s? <laughs> that kind of threw me off this morning. So it's going to be yeah. very interesting to see how uh, the Sun Devils respond after all that. They're going to be having a very tough test against Utah. So we'll see how they respond. And wrapping up the schedule for tomorrow, 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on FS1. One-on-one Stanford. The Cardinal will travel to Husky Stadium to take on the number 18-ranked team in the country, the Washington Huskies. And at the same time on CBS Sports Network, 1-2 Western Michigan will travel to the West Coast to face San Jose State there 1-1. One one. Well, that should be a fun one. Going back to that Stanford-Washington uh, game, we're saying Washington uh, coming off that big win against Michigan State. So <laughs> this should be an interesting game between these two uh, rival schools in the Pac-10 slash Pac-12. They've got some great battles over the years, so we'll see what happens in this, this round for this year. All right, so there's your schedule for tomorrow from the world of college football. You're listening to Sega City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you as we wrap up our number one. Last night, Lakina, week three of the NFL season kicked off last night with the Pittsburgh Steelers struggling again, losing to the Cleveland Browns by double digits. I had a chance to check out some of that game last night. Uh, it was entertaining at times. It was boring at times, but Cleveland found a way to pull it out. Mitchell Trubisky, as we told you, by the fourth or fifth game, if he's not um, getting the job done, I think you'll see uh, Kenny Pickett in there. I know there's some many Pittsburgh Steelers friends that are complaining already about him. He didn't have his best game last night, but I don't think he was the only reason why Pittsburgh lost it either. That's just not good all around. I know uh, JTY didn't play last night either, but uh, Pittsburgh is not a good team right now. As Lakina is having issues, uh, issues with her audio, we'll hopefully we'll get her back in just a moment as you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports All Chicago. Uh, I am Sydney Brown as I uh, take you through the rest of this hour. Uh, the, the Browns did beat the Steelers by the score of 29-12 to 12 last night, and the Cleveland Browns uh, came alive in the fourth quarter, scoring 13 of the 16 points. And, they're, they're, and, and Jacoby Brissett did enough for the Browns to, uh, to win last night. And take a look at the numbers on the flip side. First, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mitchell Trubisky, 20 of 32, 207 yards, and no touchdowns, but no interceptions either. either. He was sacked three times, and his quarterback rating was an 81 point run. As I said, you know, he didn't have the numbers, didn't look great, but he wasn't the sole reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers lost that game last night. In the running back department, this is where they struggled. Najee Harris, 15 carries for 56 yards. He did score a touchdown early in the game, but Pittsburgh forgot about him, in my opinion, uh, going down the stretch uh, to secure that game for the Steelers. So the running game, as Pittsburgh has leaned on that for years, uh, they didn't lean 
in today after the first half last night. In the receiving department, uh, Deontay Johnson was the only one that stood out. Eight catches for 84 yards. As long as a uh, catch was 16 yards, he was targeted 11 times. And on defense, uh, they did create a couple of turnovers, but I think it was a little bit too late. But Pittsburgh, especially after Cleveland got going in the fourth quarter, scoring 13 unanswered points. And you, you had to have your healthy players on defense uh, play up to their part. And Pittsburgh didn't have that last night. And so Jacoby Brissett and company uh, did the job for the Cleveland Browns. So speaking of Jacoby Brissett, so we take a look at his numbers. He was 21 and 31 for 220 yards. He did have two big touchdown passes, including the first one to Amari Cooper in the first quarter. It was one heck, heck of a catch in the back of the end zone by Mr. Cooper. He was acquired from the Get Dallas Cowboys during the offseason. And so right now he is paying huge dividends for the Cleveland Browns. In the running department, uh, Kareem Hunt, 12 carries, 47 yards, no touchdowns, but Nick Chubb was a big story for the Browns out of their backfield. 28 carries for 100, 23 carries, I should say, for 113 yards in a touchdown pass. Amari Cooper, as I mentioned, seven catches over 100 yards in the score. Um, David Njoku, their big tight end, who struggled the last couple of years, he had a big game last night. Nine catches for 89 yards in the score. And Donovan Peoples-Jones only had one catch for 10 yards. So the Cleveland Browns did enough to win last night. They had a bad loss last week, uh, giving up all those points to the Jets in the last three minutes of that game. So they had to erase the, the bad taste out of their mouth. So Cleveland goes to 2-1 and one on the season, while Pittsburgh drops to 1-2. and two. And so that was what happened last night in Thursday Night Football. Our number one is in the books. Our number two straight ahead. As you're listening to the hashtag Football Friday on Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, when we return, Mr. Chandler Jones, NBC2 Sports anchor and reporter, will join us to preview the Houston Texans taking on our Chicago Bears in week three on the late front coming up this Sunday. And we'll also have Miss Christine the Queen Manica with her week three NFL picks. You're listening to Second City Sports. Live and live in color on the hashtag Football Friday edition. I'm Sid. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. The Earth is 70% water. land. But the entire sky belongs to us. in a work zone. It's someone, somebody. This is my mom. She works for KDOT. This is my dad. This is my mom. This is my daddy. This is my sister. <laughs> this is my daddy. This is my son, Scott. He was killed while working in a highway work zone. When you drive through a work zone, drive like a life depends on it. Because it does. 
Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports, the hashtag Football Friday edition, real live in 11 color, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D A zero. That's S I D K I D A zero. Sid mentions Mitch Trubisky, but yeah, I'm the one that gets kicked out of here. <laughs> you can follow me <laughs> on the Twitter and I can McGee on the IG. And if you have any, any questions or comments, especially for our next guest as we get into our preview between the Houston, Texas, and the Chicago Bears, you can always go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. And also, don't forget that you also catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. So celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now on Roku TV, available for you live and on demand. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days a year. Let's not waste any time, Lakina, as we kick up our number two of Hashtag Football Friday by previewing our Monsters of the Midway. They'll be playing in their second home game of the season. They'll host uh, the Houston, Texas, in the return of former Bears head coach Lovey Smith to preview that game and a whole lot more. Let's bring in NBC2's sports anchor and reporter from down, down south in the state of of Texas. Here comes our man, Mr. Chancellor Johnson. Chance, welcome to our program. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. No problem. Uh, before before we break down the game, Chance, uh, uh, talk to us about what you've seen from the Houston, Texas so far this, this season. They're all one and one. They finished the title opening day last week. They had a chance to pull off the upset on paper i'm using air quotes here for those of you just listening <laughs> they were in that game i watched the majority of that game via this computer screen against the denver broncos they make they made russell wilson look, look like a pedestrian uh talk to us about how the houston texas look from your perspective this year they they're much similar than what our chicago bears are that what they looked through the, the first two games this year yeah, guys. So for me, covering the team now, um, you know, throughout the offseason and, and coming through the first couple of weeks of the season, I would say the mood around the team right now is 
a little bit disappointing because they felt like in their first two weeks, both games could have been won. Obviously, they were up 20-3 to against the Indianapolis Colts in their home in season opener, uh, and they gave up 17 points, then went into overtime. And uh, I'm not sure how much was talked about outside of Indianapolis and Houston, but it was a controversial um, call by Levy Smith late in that game um, in overtime with about 30 seconds left when they had the ball um, on the Indianapolis Colts side of the field. He elected to punt it. Uh, basically, essentially saying we'll play for a tie here instead of going forward um, late in that ball game. So, of course, we now know they ended that game with a tie. And then last week against the Denver Broncos, they felt like they played um, at least well enough defense to win that game. But offensively, they didn't show up. And um, the offense pretty much let them down for a second straight week. And so then they ended up losing that game. That, that game really ended up being defined by a, a player, too. Um, they had Brandon Cooks. Davis Mills had Brandon Cooks open in the end zone. Mm-hmm. He through a low pass and Brandon Cooks ultimately he touched it but he dropped it and then mm-hmm. um later on in that game Russell Wilson connected with this tight end and that was the difference in the game by one touchdown so in both games the Texans were right there and right now they're, they're kind of an angry group right now because they feel like they they ha- could have a better record than what they have right now it's just that you say that chance because we saw you know all of us up here saw that game it was sort of like weird that this team could easily be 2-0 and right now how great yeah, it is you know certain parameters <laughs> had not changed now you know, Davis Mills is sort of an interesting uh, cat because no one really thought that he would probably be the starter of an NFL team a couple of years ago. But his progression, you know, he's still still making a little a few mistakes, but you know, he's actually been getting a little bit better. So, what what's, what have you seen so far from him this season? Yeah, so to be honest with you, right now, Davis Mills, in, in at least in my opinion, I feel like he's taking a step back from last year. I think in his rookie year, I would argue, and, and I know some people would. In Chicago might disagree. I would argue he had, if not the best, the second best rookie season of all the guys. I think most people would agree it was Mac Jones, but I think mm-hmm. I think he had a really good rookie season. And I think he made a lot of throws. And there was there was a lot of people who left at the end of the year saying, hey, the Texans might have a guy in Davis Mills. It's still to be determined, but at least give him the full year to show that. And then the offseason mm-hmm. came. Everybody was saying the right things. Now, this time around, this offseason, it was his team, right? Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. that had already passed. They decided to move, ultimately move on. We now know he's, of course, with the Cleveland Browns. There's no Tyrod Taylor. Like, he was the guy. The general manager said it. The head coach, Levy Smith, he had completely backed him. And through these first two weeks and through the preseason, he just really hasn't really shown a ton. The biggest knock on Davis Mills is his ability to push the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. And for me, my biggest argument is when you look around the AFC, you look at all these different quarterbacks, just take a look at the list, right? You can start at the top with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Mm -hmm. the guy you just traded from Houston, Deshaun Watson, guys that can go make plays, guys that can make all the throws. So far, Davis Mills hasn't shown that. And in in the first game with the Indianapolis Colts, the offense sputtered. Like the defense did their part as be- as best well as they could. They, they contained Jonathan Taylor the best you can with, with JT there before ultimately mm-hmm. um, he ended up getting loose and the Colts made some plays down the field. But the Texas offense had opportunities to put them away last week. It's been a big talking point. The Texans did not score a touchdown and they had opportunities. And part of that rests on the shoulders of Davis Mills, the quarterback, the guy that they want. Um, they want to see if he can be the guy of the future. He has not shown that through these first two games. Um, the Colts, they have a good defense, and so, and so do the Broncos, but mm-hmm. some of the throws just aren't there. And so I think, you know, over the next couple of weeks, it's, it's time to see the offense get moving and get going. And, and Lovey Smith has talked about that, the offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton as well. Um, it also starts with the run game. They really like Damian Pierce. 
Um, and the first week, it was a little bit of a mixed bag with Rex Burkhead. Um, but this week, uh, excuse me, last week, I guess the Broncos, Pierce got more of those carries. So I think it starts with their run game, and then they try to get into some more play action. But um, you will see a little bit of that that uh, sophomore class battle between Justin Fields and Davis Mills. I'm really excited to see that matchup uh, this week at Soldier Field. Chance Johnson, the sports anchor reporter for NBC2 in Houston, is joining us here on the Fast Check Football Friday edition of Second City Sports City Lakina previewing Texans and Bears coming up this Sunday from the lakefront. Chance, let's go back to that Texans defense. Uh, the Texans have five sacks in total as a team so far this year. Jerry Hughes has two of them. He also leads the team in interceptions with one. If you are a Bears fan like well, uh, I am, Chance, uh, which uh, other um, – Texans players on that defense should Bears, Bears fans be looking for and pay attention to this Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. I think you just mentioned it. Um, the vet for the Texans right now is a defensive lineman, Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes, he came over from Buffalo and has immediately kind of made his presence felt. In fact, um, obviously, once again, this is his first year with the Texans, but he was already named the captain of this, uh, one of the captains of this defense. So he's very well respected. He had a really great game in, in the in the first week against the Colts, the interception, um, along with uh, a sack there. And the other guy, other couple of names to watch is uh, Jonathan Grenard, another edge rusher. Before Hughes got there, Grenard was kind of the name on the Texans as far as one, uh, on their pass rush. He finished with eight sacks, and I, he believes he can get to double digits this year. And, and so far the, through these first two games, he's shown why the Texans are so high on him. He's a very good name to watch uh, up front. The other guys on the, on the back end in the secondary is, of course, the number three overall pick, Derek Stingley Jr. Um, mm -hmm. He had himself a battle last week with Cortland Sutton. Um, Sutton um, won a number of reps, but, but Stingley was right there with him. And I think if you're a Texans fan – um, his ability to be out there on an island, which is very hard to do. Sutton is one of the better wide receivers we have um, in the NFL. And, you know, he was matched up with them mano a mano, and, and he held his own. Sutton got his, but but uh, Derek Stingley made, made his presence felt. And that's what you want to see from a rookie. And then the Texans really like their second-round pick, Jalen Petrie, out of Baylor. The guy plays everywhere. He reminds me a little bit of Tyron Matthew a little bit because he can put him anywhere. He lines up in the box. He's not afraid to hit. He'll, he'll play in the run game. He can uh, he can defend in the secondary, of course, um, in, in the passing attack. They really like him. So those are the, the main three names outside of the Jerry Hughes's, Jonathan Gennard, the edge rusher, Derek Stingley Jr., and um, Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. How much of the running back will that be sort of the key here? Because, you know, Damian Pierce, he's the rookie from Florida. I really like him. You know, of course, Rex Burkhead's still around. You know, people forget <laughs> about him. So how about the run game will probably be a factor here, especially because we know Lovey Smith. We know he loves the run game. You know, we know that, you know, from his history here in Chicago. So what about that part of it? Yeah, I think for um, the Texans, the run, it, it, their offense starts and ends with the run game because they want to do a lot of things out of play action. And right now, I would say there's not enough trust in Davis Mills to just have him go out there and let it rip for 30, 40 passing attempts um, if they can contain it. Obviously, you know, as the game script changes, you have to adjust, but they really want to run the ball. And uh, they found a guy that they really like in Damian Pierce in the fourth round, and immediately he came into camp and, and pressed heavy, like heavily. Um, he breaks tackles. He runs very hard. And as he describes it, he runs with bad intentions, and you can see that. I think – for the Texans, they also want to get their offensive line, make more of a push. And, and guys like Larry Tunsil and Titus Howard, their two tackles, have both talked about the need to be better 
and the run game. And they say, hey, get 3-1 and Damian Pierce the ball, and, and they believe that he can make things happen. So um, the, the rushing attack will be will be pivotal. They're hoping that this is the breakout game. But, of course, um, you guys know, and I know it. Actually, I was in Green Bay for the past two years. The, the Bears, they have a really good um, defensive front. And so they'll need to make a push there if they hope to get Damian Pierce the ball. Uh, going back to that Texas offense, Chance, of course, you talked about veteran wide receiver Brandon Cooks earlier. He dropped a, a potential game-winning touchdown uh, last week. But I'm looking uh, on the depth chart. Nico Collins is listed up there. Of course, O.J. Howard, is, uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, assuming that the Texas can have a, a stable running game, who else uh, needs that needs to step up offensively, especially from a receiving perspective? Yeah, I would say it has to be Nico Collins um, because you know what you're going to get out of Brandon Cooks. Cooks is going to get his targets. He's he's definitely Davis's Mills' favorite guy to to throw the ball to. Uh, but Nico Collins uh, is a guy you know they drafted last year. This is his his second year, and he's a big bodied wide receiver, about six four. He can make those contested catches, and and on paper he's a nice complement to what Brandon Cooks can do all around the field. We just, we haven't seen it a ton of these first couple of games. Now it's not so much necessarily on Nico. Some of it is just Davis Mills looking for Brandon cooks. And then he might check on Nico, but ultimately ends up throwing it to the flat and throwing a check down. Mm -hmm. But Collins has made plays before. I think the Texans just want to see more out of it. But um, Nico Collins is a guy to watch. OJ Howard has come in as a guy um, who was um, waived by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, at the end of the offseason. And his first week, he had two touchdowns. He had the only two um, touchdowns of the season for the Houston Texans offense. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he's looked good. He's, he's provided a veteran presence uh, for that tight end room because the Texans honestly have not gotten a ton out of their tight ends and, and Brevin Jordan and, and uh, Farrell Brown. So they want to see a little bit more out of that. Um, but another guy to watch is Chris, Chris Collins. Um, excuse me, Chris Conley. Um, he's a guy who was really kind of floated on, under the radar. wasn't really talked about a ton, and it's, it was during the offseason. It was more so like, hey, will Nico Collins make the jump? And he made some nice plays in the preseason, but th then the season started, and outside of Brandon Cooks, it's actually been Chris Conley is a guy who has found a way to get open in, on crossing routes and out routes, and, and, and Davis Mills has found him, and especially on third down because a lot of the attention in passing downs does go to Brandon Cooks. And Chris, here comes Chris Conley when they need to make a play. He's, he's been there for them. So um, Nico Collins and Chris Conley are, are the two main pass catchers outside of Brandon Cooks. What's Lovey Smith's mindset going into this game? Of course, he's coming back to Chicago. Of course, he coached here for many years, led them to the Super Bowl. Or we know we know that uh, Coach Smith kind of keeps everything even keel. So what, what's his mindset going into going into this game? Is he kind of like you? Know, is he a little anxious? Is he sort of like trying to stay like you know calm and cool? Yeah, definitely. So earlier this week, um, when we talked to Lovey Smith about that, we asked him about hey. Going back to Chicago, the place that he's had the most success um, in his coaching career, and he downplayed it. He was like, you know, for us, you know, obviously we know what my time meant while I was in Chicago, but as far as I'm concerned, it's just another game on my schedule, even heading back uh, to Chicago. And so, um, you, you know, I, I know he has fond memories, um, you know, coaching the Bears. How could you not? You went to the Super Bowl with them, right? Um, but as far as he's concerned right now, his team's 0-2. Right. You don't have time to, to reminisce too much about, um, <laughs> you know, your old, your, your old team when you need to find a way to win a, a football game. And and, you know, you can make the argument, um, you know, that the, right now the Bears out of their first three games, the Bears might be their best opportunity to do that. And, and the Bears might feel the exact same way. Obviously, they have their win. But, you know, in their first three games, the Texans might be their best opportunity to pick up a win. Uh, and so, um, you know, the Texans, you know, once again, they're, they're kind of a pissed off right now heading into this game, feeling like they could have won their first two ones.
We're halfway home with Chancellor Johnson, NBC2's Houston Sports Anchor Report. He's hanging out with us here on Second City Sports, the hashtag Football Friday edition, live in living color, right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. We'll take a break from football with just a moment with you, Chance. I want to go to baseball, the Houston Astros, of course. Last year, they were at the doorstep with Dusty Baker uh, trying to get that World Series title. They came up short against the Atlanta Braves. This year, they're trying to fight off. Uh, the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge and crew and everybody else who try to get home field advantage so they can get back to the World Series. I think me personally, taking my Chicago White Sox glasses off, I think Houston has a uh, ha- has a great chance to finally win that World Series for Dusty Baker, but they're going to have some tough competition. Me and Lakina talked about it in the first hour with the Cleveland Guardians, what they did to my White Sox earlier this week. And, of course, you had to see Aaron the Manners in your division, that even though they struggled a little bit against Oakland here but they really come on store and they're going to break their 21 year drought of not making the playoffs. Uh, what do you see from the Houston Astros heading towards the playoffs in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I would say right now for the Houston Astros, in my opinion, they look like the best team in the American league for now, but of course you're going to see the postseason and things change. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing with the Astros is their starting pitching uh, in the past. It's been more so about their hitters and what they could do offensively. And they still have plenty of firepower. Um, I'm sure you guys, I'm going to tell you guys too much about Jordan Alvarez, what he brings yeah. to the table outside yeah. of, of <laughs> Aaron Jones, excuse me, Aaron Judge. He might be, you know, the, the best power hitter in, in baseball. Um, you have guys, you look at Jose Altuve, the best leadoff man in baseball. Um, Jamie Pena has stepped up very nicely um, with the uh, with the hole that Carlos Correa left going to the Minnesota Twins. But once again, the the, the statistic with the Astros is their starting pitcher, Justin Verlander. I mean, the guy is pushing forty, and he looks he he's very well could be the the Cy Young for the American League this year. Framber Valdez, uh, I've been banging his drum um, for for like a better word for for a while now because I feel like he's not getting enough credit. Um, so so I keen the Astros. Yeah, so so much of the talk about the Astros has been on Justin Verlander, but Framber Valdez literally just broke the record for most consecutive um, Mm -hmm. quality uh, starts uh, at 25. The guy has been um, phenomenal, and I think it's because he's not so much of a flashy pitcher. He's not a a big strikeout guy um, that he doesn't get as much love as he deserves, but as far as I'm concerned, Justin Verlander is 1A in the starting pitching, and uh, Framber Valdez is 1B. They really like what they have in Christian Javier. They, uh, they, they like their bullpen as well, and then um, they, they feel like they have a really strong bullpen as well as their closer. So I, I think right now, to me, the Astros have um, the best roster put together on paper out of the American League. Um, but you have to go and prove it in the playoffs. Now, the thing mm-hmm. that I really like about this Astros team is they've been there before. In fact, they just clinched um, their fifth um, straight postseason, excuse me, their, their fifth time going to the postseason um, in the past six years. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's become routine here in Houston after, you know, before before they won this run, they were one of the worst teams in the league, but they finally put it together um, with the emphasis of losing guys like George Springer and then, you know, cause Correa, losing guys like Garrett Cole to New York. They keep finding guys. That's just what they do, and they've been really successful at it. So, uh, to my in my opinion, at this point in the season, uh, that home field advantage is theirs to lose, and I think the road to the World Series in the American League will now go through the juice box of Minute Maid Park. <laughs> I like how you said that. Their chance now. Sticking <laughs> with the Houston Houston uh, theme for a second, since we got you. Uh, what about the Rockets? I know they're going to be starting training camp in about a week or two. Got one of the worst records in the league last year. They've added some, you know, great pieces, you know, through the draft and through free agency. What exactly are the expectations for the Rockets this year? Can it at least be respectable? I know that I know they're probably a long way off for you know being right there for like 
competing for even like one of the the six through ten, seven through ten spots, I should say. So, what what is that kind of the mindset is for the Rockets this year? I would say, you know, covering the Rockets as well. The thing with them is they're okay with being in this kind of rebuild phase and trusting the process as kind of the Philadelphia Sixers did um, a little while ago. They know they're not competing, um, definitely not for a championship. They know they're probably on the outside looking in for the playoffs and probably a play-in. And so last year didn't go to plan. I think they their, their biggest thing is they want to be a little bit more competitive, but they were okay with losing because, listen, they got the number three overall pick and they – they got a guy who at the time was considered the number one overall guy, Jabari mm-hmm. Smith, ultimately yep. until Orlando, the Orlando Magic flipped it last minute and went with um, Paolo Bancaro. So they like Jabari Smith as far as being this really big wing who has the numbers of being one of the best um, big man shooters college basketball has seen in recent history. I mean, the guy has, mm-hmm. I mean, I was shooting over 40% from three, but the, the thing they really like about him is he can guard literally one through five. And so you insult him, you insert him in the lineup. Obviously, um, Jalen Green was the big name for the team mm-hmm. last year, uh, coming out as a rookie, finishing on the first team all rookie. He had multiple games finishing with 30 points uh, per game. Um, for a guy who was 19 years old, he can, I mean, he can, has a lot of things in his bag already. And then he has kind of a Zach Levine bounce to him. I mean, the guys, mm-hmm. you saw it in the in the dunk contest, even though they didn't go in all the time, like you saw <laughs> his ability to get up to the rim, right? Um, so he, you know, he kind of joking me about it. He said he was going to to remedy that this time around the dunk contest, but uh, they really like what they have in Jalen Green. But the guy who is kind of, I'm going to say floating under the radar, but that maybe not everybody knows about, but I think people should be paying attention to is Alfred Shankum. The guy, he was mm-hmm. um, another first round pick from them um, last year in the same class of Jalen Green. He was picked number 15 overall. And uh, he played mostly off the bench last year um, behind Christian Wood and who they now moved on from. Um, but for for another guy who's 19 years old, he has a lot in his skill set. He's a he's kind of a back to the basket guy. But the thing is, he reminds me a lot. Like, and this is not hyperbole. A lot of Nikola Jokic to his game. He can mm-hmm. um, he he is great passer. One of the better passing bigs you'll see, especially at that age. Um, very crappy around the rim. Great footwork. Nice touch around the rim and can shoot it. And um, during the offseason, he's just coming back from the Euro League, um, um, the, the Euro League playoffs that they had going on, where a lot of the, the NBA, foreign NBA guys mm-hmm. were playing, like guys like Rudy Gobert, um, Evan Fournier, Luka Doncic. And uh, Shangun was playing with this Turkish team, and he was looking like one of the better players in the league overall. And so um, now with Christian Wood gone, he'll step in and he'll probably be the primary fire for them. And he's a guy that I think you can run an offense to once again, similar to a Jokic. I'm, I'm as far as the skill set, not calling him, you know, the back-to-back MVP by any stretch of the means, but he has a lot of that to his game. And so um, I, I think for the Rockets, I think they like the position that they're in um, as far as they have guys that they can identify versus being maybe a different team where it's like you're either in the middle of the pack and you kind of know you're not going to win the championship, but you're good enough to maybe get into the playoffs, maybe like a Utah Jazz team, you know, last year before they ultimately ended up trading those pieces so uh, for them they just want to really want to see another step in development from their guys uh, another thing to watch with the Rockets is can Kevin Porter Jr. be the guy as the point guard 
they like KPJ. Obviously, he's he's he was in the Midwest playing with the Cleveland Cavaliers um, for a bit, and he has plenty of talent. We saw it last year when he scored fifty points. You, you know, for a guy mm-hmm. who's another guy who's twenty one years old, barely able to, to to grab a drink. He's another young guy they really like. But the question is, can he lead the team as a point guard? So um, those are kind of the names to watch for the Rockets this year. And and the biggest thing is just focusing on their development overall. And I think the next year is when you the Rockets will look to make that step back into contention in the postseason. We're hanging out with Chance Johnson, NBC2's uh, sports anchor from Houston. He's a sports anchor reporter. He hang, he's hanging out with us right here on Second City Sports, the Friday edition. Sailor Kenny here with you in on Sports Zone Chicago. Chance, last question from me. Uh, reading through your bio, you obviously you're back home working in Houston where you were born and raised. Uh, uh, tell us what uh, how's 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 that experience been for you? And what's sparked that passion in, uh, within you wanting to work in the sports broadcasting industry? Yeah, absolutely. For me, um, it's it's been a, a blast to be back here in my hometown in Houston, Texas. I started my first two years in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So so I'm very familiar with the Bears and, and the Chicago area. And, and matter of fact, I will be at the game for the, for the Texans Bears, and I'm really excited about that. Um, Grab some Garrett's popcorn, Harold's chicken. <laughs> oh, definitely, we'll talk offline so I can get some wrecks. I was I was told a couple of places, um, a couple of deep dish spots. I was told about a, a steakhouse um, that that I got to try out. So so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm looking. I'm really excited to head out there. Um, you know, again because like I said, being up there in Wisconsin, I took a couple trips to Chicago uh, while I was there. But um, as far as you know, covering you know the hometown teams, it's great. You know. Um, it, when I got to Green Bay, I kind of had to catch up a little bit on like the area, not so much on the Packers because you know, you know what the Packers represent, but you know the mm-hmm. high school teams and and you know the, the smaller universities around that area. With Houston, yeah. I, don't, I don't have to. Like I, I grew up here, it's great. I, you know, I'm very much closer to family. Most of my family lives in the South, so it was a trick going from Green Bay, a small, well, really what is the town. Um, you know, to, to try to fly into some of these cities. But now I'm back home with, with my family and friends. Uh, it's been a great opportunity and really selling in here, having an opportunity to cover, you know, three major sports scenes. And that's not even including the Houston Cougars, who football-wise, they're relevant in basketball. They might be a top-five team. Not might be. They will be a top-five team um, this year. And they're hosting the Final Four in Houston. Yep. So yep. it's a great opportunity that I don't take for granted. Well, I was going to ask you about the last question for me about have those two wide receivers from Houston made up yet after that fight, you know, against against Kansas last Saturday? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, they <laughs> you know, the, the quick backstory of that was in, in the um, the Jayhawks game, one of the players felt like he got cheap shotted. So he retaliated, causing a 15-yard, you know, unsportsmanlike penalty. And the captain of the team was getting into it with this guy about you can't do that. And they said, man, what you say? Nah get that and then that's what you know was a little back and forth but they they made up it's all it's all good uh here in h10 okay now okay well since we're talking about you know the men's hoops you know they're gonna be starting to practice in a few weeks so kelvin Sands, like you said i mean they could be a top this could be a top five squad next year they were really close to going back to the final four last year so what are the expectations is it basically final four or bust for the men's hoops team yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you know, Kelvin Sampson won't tell you that because he's Kelvin Sampson. Um, but talent wise, you know, I said top five. Honestly, in my opinion, they might be top two. I think uh, North Carolina has a lot of guys returning talent-wise. But um, with the Houston Cougars, they get a lot of their guys uh, – not not a lot of their guys back, but they get a lot of re- re- returners in the sense of – yeah. Right, like Marcus Sasser. Marcus yes. Sasser, that's the thing. The, the, the Houston Cougars went to a 
an Elite Eight without their best player. I mean, the guy yeah. was averaging 20 points a game yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. He's a walking bucket. And it's like Kelvin Sampson tell you, their offense is give him the ball and get out the way. And I think when Marcus Sasser went down, not only Marcus Sasser, but another guy in Tremont Mark, he was yeah. kind of their Swiss Army knife. And at mm-hmm. times, Kelvin Sampson said that he was their best over their all-around players. So they get a guy like him back. And then mm-hmm. Jamal Shedd, who really kind of broke out during that NCAA tournament, leading that team there uh, without Marcus Sasser, he was – Uh, being able to do it all for them. If they need a facilitator, he would help do that with Fabian White, who was now gone, and Kyler Edwards. But then when they needed a bucket late in the tournament, um, uh, he was a guy that they turned to with Jamal Shedd. And so now he can go back to being that facilitator because the ball is going to go to Marcus Sasser. Yep. Sasser played well enough in the NBA um, offseason draft prep to to earn a right to 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 be you know in the uh, to be drafted, but he decided he wanted to get a little bit up a higher spot, and he knew what they had in this University of Houston team returning, so he ultimately yep. decided to return. So it, this is a loaded team, and you know, like I said, top five was me being on the safe side, but they should be at worst a top three team. And obviously, you get into the NCAA tournament, anything happens. But my biggest thing when it comes about the Houston Cougars, one thing I really like about them is even when their shots aren't falling, the two things you can always count on, they're going to play the defense and they're going to rebound the ball. Yep. And that always translates at the at the NCAA tournament level. And that's the reason why we've seen them go far in the tourney the past couple of years. All right. This has been Chance Johnson, the NBC2 Houston Sports Anger TV anger and reporter. Great job, young man. Uh, <laughs> good luck with your flight. Good luck with having a safe and happy flight to Chicago. Uh, hopefully Chicago will be a, another great experience for you. Real quick, what's your final score for Sunday? What's your prediction? You know what? Um, I hope you guys don't get too mad at me. I, I do think the Texans pick up their first win on the year. I'm going to go <laughs> Texans 24. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Texans 24, Bears 21. Um, I think the defense um, does well in Justin Fields, and the offense is able to get going enough um, to give them their first win on the season. All right. Where can people follow you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at Chancellor TV. Um, once again, I cover all the teams as you guys uh, could probably could probably tell. Um, yes, right now we're getting ready for Astros postseason as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Texans media day for the Rockets is on Monday, so I fly to yep. Chicago tomorrow. I fly <laughs> back on Sunday, then I'm at media day for Rockets on Monday, so I'm all over the place with it. But uh, social media at Chancellor TV. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. Have a safe flight to Chicago and keep up the great work. And let's do this again soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Thanks guys. Appreciate you guys for having me. All right. Thank you. All right. So we got a, yeah, that was NBC two's chance Johnson. Yeah. So I think we got to, we got to tile off here. We got our girl, Christine waiting in the wing. So we got a lot to do. We'll talk about with her, of course, not only our, our picks for a week through the NFL, but also to the White Sox and all that stuff that's happening. Yes, <laughs> we got a lot to let out on the White Sox. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, among other things, too, as well. So we're going to take a really, really super quick break. So, you know, Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown coming up next. Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Our with our girl, Christine, coming up right after this. my lane no not at all are you not paying attention 
Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's just supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to our last segment of the show, last segment of the week on this hashtag Football Friday. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow me on Twitter and IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kino McGee on the Twitter and at Kino's McGee on the IG. It's time for week three of our NFL picks. To help us do that, let's bring on our queen, Miss Christine. The Queen Manica. What's up, Yay! Christine from KXRB? Good Hi, afternoon guys. to you, young lady. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Before we get to the White Sox and all that hot mess on the south side, uh, I want to get your thoughts about last week's Bears loss to the Green Bay Packers. I said this to Lakino on our show on Monday. Uh, I know technically it was a blow to come according to some people, but Unlike in years past, i.e. the last three years of Matt Nagy's coaching career, we know the Bears have a long way to go, but at least they weren't in Bears. They were still in the game, even despite that foolishness on fourth and one, having fields in the shotgun. I don't know what the hell that was, but outside of that, and the, and the penalties were starting to pile up, but I will say this, the Bears, they still have a long way to go, but at least they did not embarrass themselves at Lambeau, unlike in years past. 
I, I agree. It wasn't as bad, but after the fir- first quarter, I don't know what was going on with them. You know, mm-hmm. same thing what you said about why would they have Fields bring in the ball in the shotgun position when they have a big guy like David Montgomery that could have just charged right through all of those Packers. So I don't know what that logic was either. Um, It's, I I don't have the right answer. I do know that if coach Eberflus didn't challenge the first down and the touchdown, Chicago media was going to rally hard against him and really condemn him for not challenging those two moves. So I'm happy that he did do that and it wasn't another, okay, we're just going to go on and and move on. Because I think he was getting frustrated at the game too, just from looking at his expressions. Mm -hmm. I know that Mm -hmm. I saw Ryan Poles up there. He was frustrated at the situation. And and it was a a frustrating game to look at because nothing seemed to be going right. And another thing that I noticed too Fields wasn't throwing the ball. It was all a run game mm-hmm. for the Bears. Yep. Why is that? Could it be because the offense isn't supporting Fields? Could it be because maybe the coaching staff doesn't trust Fields fully with throwing? I don't know. The one time, the couple of times he did throw away down the field, he did get intercepted a couple of times. So maybe they want to try to work on more of the mechanics with fields. So he's not so robotic in his moves, if that makes sense. I always point out that fields likes to only look to one side of the field. You know, he has his back turned towards the other side and just looking in one direction. Mm-hmm. You thought you only had one blind spot. Well, having your back turns the whole field, that's multiple blind spots right there. So I don't know if they're going to try to get him out of that habit. He did try to look on the whole field, but then he tripped over his two feet at one point <laughs> and got tackled. So I, I don't know what the solution is. I, I'm still not fully impressed with fields yet, and I don't think – I'm going to have a full stance on him until the middle towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I'd say if he doesn't show any major improvements, it it could be time to get another quarterback for the bears already and still have fields on, but maybe not as a starting quarterback, which is what Eberflus and polls envisioned for him. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see it. That might be fields on the phone trying to call right now, but (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, let's, Oh, yeah, the whole thing with him having to apologize for what he said. I don't think he had to apologize. That was kind of like a waste of, like, five minutes because just because certain people got upset about it, that was just silly to me. To me, he did kind of sound a little bit like – I don't want to say he was arrogant because I even listened to it a couple of times, but it was almost like he was making it seem it was more about – what he was doing than anybody else on the team, if that makes sense. Like he pointed out, oh, I've been getting up an extra hour a day, putting in the work. Okay, but if you're doing that, how come it's not translating on the field? And if you're doing that, don't you want to get some of your guys involved in order to be a more coherent team and to be that leader? He's still young. No question about it. But if he's going to want to take on that starting quarterback role, I think he needs to learn how to incorporate everybody. Take Tom Brady, for example, when he was with the Patriots and even a little bit um, after the Patriots with Tampa. 
he has regular practices with not just himself and his coach, his personal coaches, but he also had Julian Edelman with him. He had Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans a couple of times now join him on a couple of practices. And that's the only way that you're going to get better is when the whole team is involved. And it's not just about you. It feels like it's sometimes being the quarterback, but it's a bigger picture picture in the sense. It'd be interesting though. Now let's get to some of these games. We've got other stuff we want to talk to with you about, Christine. So let's get right to it. Uh, first up in the noon slate, you got. Oh, what's uh, pretty- the standings? Well, you're you're ahead, Sid and uh, uh, Christine. You and I, I are don't down. Want to talk about the last two weeks. Yeah, well, I'll say. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah, I wish we could kind of just like wipe the slate clean and start over because I, I think I only had like one <laughs> right? What are the standings? Just okay. I'm curious. Okay, well, uh, since since ahead, uh, you and I are battling out for like seconds because <laughs> I think I like I think I'm ahead of you by like one game, but I think that's a, that's really much about it. So we're not really that far apart. So this is you know, still still very unseasoned. Are ridiculous. I know. Yeah. Thanks a lot, uh, Baltimore. Well, we won't get to that. Thanks you know, all like, Raiders for last week. Geez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we all—I think we all had to laugh at that without any of that Raiders game. But, uh, but my goodness. But, uh, all right, NFC South. You got uh, the Saints and the Panthers. Sid, you start this one for us. The Saints and the Panthers. The Saints are two and a half point road favorites after the fist of cuffs last week against Tampa, uh, blowing that small lead at home. Carolina, the loss to a certainly surprising, quote unquote, good New York Giants team. Go figure. Uh, Christine, your boy Baker Mayfield is two and seven his last nine road games. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina's in trouble. The Saints could be in the same boat. Just because they are the better team on paper, I'm going with New Orleans. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm big in the Saints. They haven't really had a strong running game, but if you've noticed, Baker isn't as quick with his decisions as what he used to be, whether it's because of what happened during the offseason and his confidence got down a little bit more, and maybe he's feeling a little bit more of that pressure to stay on a team and to be that starting quarterback. Um, but exactly what you said, sit on paper, I'm going to have to go with the Saints. Yeah, I'm picking the Saints too, but I, I, I'm hoping that Kamara can play. That's probably why the running game hasn't been very good for them so far. So we'll see if he, he'll be able to play. I don't know. It just it's just gonna be interesting this game. It's gonna be one of those weird games, I, I have a feeling, but uh we'll see what happens there. Now going to the AFC, another noon game on CBS. It'll be the Kansas City Chiefs and the and the Indianapolis Colts, the now oh one and one Indianapolis Colts. And uh now Shaq <laughs> Leonard will not be making his debut. He has, you know, he still won't be able to play. That's the word across the wire. So I'll pick the Chiefs, but I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. But you never know with with, the, with this team. So, I don't know. Who wants to go next? Because I'll, I'll pick the Colts. Uh, the, Chiefs, I, the Chiefs, I should say. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are playing. I was going to say, yeah, I'm going with Kansas City. A lot of, a lot of outlets are saying that this is going to be an easy win for Kansas City. And that could be right. But the way the last couple of weeks have been going, I don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't know. Matt Ryan could be on fire. Jonathan Taylor can finally kick it into high gear. I don't know. Like the Colts are that team that can surprise you. And maybe this could be another one of those chances where the Chiefs are like, okay, we're going to go easy here a little bit just because they're not having a great season. And who knows? That can probably kick them in the face afterwards. But 
for now, I'm picking Kansas City. I'm going with Kansas City as well. Kansas City is a five-and-a-half-point road favorite, and this is the home opener for the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, the Colts' defense, as Lakina has mentioned, has several issues so far through the first two weeks of the season. All right, a good one here, a battle of 2-0 and o teams. You've got the Bills coming off a short week, that big win against Tennessee, and, of course, the Dolphins off that comeback win against Baltimore. Thanks a lot, Baltimore. Christine, you start this one for us. <laughs> no kidding. Gosh, I mean, look, again, it's been a weird couple of weeks, right? But the running game has been a strong key asset for the Bills so far. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close game, too. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Dolphins end up winning this game by inches, not miles, inches. But I think because the Bills are such a solid team and they're a favorite for the Super Bowl this year, I'm going to say the Bills. I'm going with Buffalo as well. They're a five-point road favorite. Of course, Miami, uh, they're coming off Ohio with that comeback win at Baltimore last week. Tua. Is showing me some things. (laughs) It's showing me some things, but he's facing a better defense of Buffalo. And you know, Von Millen crew, they're going to bring it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to be a closer game than what people expect. But I'm I'm going with Buffalo at the end. This could be a trap game for Buffalo because they're going to be traveling. It's going to be in a short week. But I think they'll they'll be ready for this. I think, like I said, they're on a mission. I've been saying that for like the last two weeks. In the heat, too. Yeah, they're gonna be in the heat, so it won't be you know too bad for them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Buffalo too, although it's, I think the Dolphins will keep it close for a little bit. But I think you know Tua will probably throw a pick six, maybe I, I don't know, but you know I, like I said I think Buffalo's on a mission, so I'm gonna pick the Bills, but it's gonna be very close. Uh, if you're in AFC North, a pair of one and ones, you got the Lions and the Vikings. Sid, you start this one. I'll be watching this game exclusively via this computer screen. <laughs> The Detroit Lions, of course, picked up their first win of the season, being the Washington Commanders, holding them off. Minnesota, uh, they were impressive in week one against Green Bay, lost last week. Minnesota's a six-point favorite. Detroit is playing much better. No, no, I do not have them in the playoffs. No, I do not have them going 500, as I said, before the season started. Uh, They're going to be a much-improved team. Is it because of hard knocks? I don't know. But with that being said, I'm going with the Vikings by three. You know, this is going to be my upset for the week. I I think the Lions are really an improved team, and I think a lot of people have underestimated them this past season so far. I mean, look at the first week. I mean, that wasn't a football game. That was like a – I don't know what it was with that score being so high up there, but it it showed me a lot. I think – they look the Vikings have all the elements, right? They have the running back, they have the wide receiver, the the one of the great wide receivers in the league right now, one of the best. Then you also have tight ends. You have Adam Thielen. You you have all of these key ath- athletes and coaches, except you still have Kirk Cousins. So, <laughs> and whether Cousins decides to see the field or not. Or it really all depends on how Cousins plays. But I think I think Detroit's going to surprise a lot of people this season, and I think this includes that, this game. So I can't believe I'm going to pick the Lions this week, but I, that's going to be my upset. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if this is a really close game. 
I think it is going to be a close game, but I'm going to pick Minnesota. It's not on prime time. It's going to be during the day, so I think <laughs> Cookers should be just fine. <laughs> but uh, not, not, high not, noon. Uh, yeah, I'll high say it's noon. a noon game. Yeah, so I don't. Have to, we don't have to worry about that. So I think, like I said, I think Detroit will keep it close. But I think you know Minnesota who just enough to pull away late to get their second win of the season. Another pair of one and ones here on this time on the AFC. You got the Ravens and the Patriots. Christine, you start this one for us. This could be a slower year for the Patriots. I think. I, I think this is the year where we're finally starting to see them slow down after seeing them in the playoffs year after year. Um, and again, this could be another close matchup. It's a tough week for the NFL in general. I think Lamar Jackson continues to look great. I expect this trend to go on for the rest of the season. And I think I'm going to go with Baltimore for this one. For those of you in the Chicagoland area, you'll get to see this game as part of the Fox NFL Sunday doubleheader. Baltimore is two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Of course, Baltimore is ticked off from last week. New England, one of the few teams that did it for me. I told you guys they were going to beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, and they did just that. As you said, Christine, Lamar Jackson, he's hes a man on a mission, mm -hmm. and you saw that last week against the Dolphins before his defense uh, gave it up. So with, with, with all those intangibles aside, I'm going with Baltimore. I think for those reasons, I'm also going with Baltimore, too, just because I think they're not going to be in a very good mood. And I think mm -hmm. J.C. Pierre-Paul, and we'll see. I don't think he's going to be able to play this week, but I think they're going to get a little bit of help from the defensive side. They should be able to slow down that Patriots offense. Hopefully they won't give up a lot of big plays. But, yeah, so it, it'll be a close one again, but I'm picking the uh, Baltimore, too. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports All Chicago. Lakeena McGee, Cindy Brown, our girl, KXRBs, Christine Manica. We're doing our Week 3 NFL Picks. We're halfway home here. You got the Bengals and the Jets. Oh, and two. I look. This could be one of those toss-up games. I don't know what the line is, but this. I'm going against my better judgment. You know, Joe Flacco's found the fountain of youth. We're the <laughs> Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco. You know, going to the Super Bowl. So it'll be a close one. I know the Jets have had a lot of injury issues. I think Cincy gets their first win of the season, but again, I might regret that later. So I'm picking Cincy. I'm going with Cincinnati as well. They're a six-point road favorite. Remember, they lost to the Jets last year. Yeah, I, I had that in mind, too. I'm picking Cincinnati. They're hungry for, for a win, that's for sure. And plus, Joe Flacco's on my fantasy team. He needs to step up for me. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> yeah, he does. I digress. <laughs> yeah, he does. He really does. Uh, <laughs> pair of 0-2 teams, probably surprisingly 0-2 teams, too. I don't think anybody saw this. Uh, the Raiders and the Titans said you start this one. And how is the Las Vegas Raider, Raiders two-point favorites on the road? Uh, they bribed somebody. I don't know. Did you see, the, as Christine said, did you see the end of overtime like most of America did last week? <laughs> they gave enough. it up to Arizona. Uh, as I told you guys, uh, Tennessee got embarrassed on Monday night in Buffalo. I think they'll play better. I don't like making this pick, but I'm taking my feelings out of it, and I'm putting some logic into this, 100% of it. I'm going with Tennessee. I'm... Here's the thing. Injuries are kind of already a problem for the Titans. And no doubt this is going to be another close game. It's going to go either way. Both teams need a win. But I think after last week, the Raiders wanted just a little bit more. I get it. They have Derrick Henry, the, ten the Titans, but I, I'm picking the Raiders for this one. 
Ah, Jesus. Uh, I, <laughs> I, oh, Jesus. I, I'll pick Tennessee just because they're at home, but I'm not really confident in that. If we're doing our, if we're doing this by confidence picks, they probably this one will probably be at the bottom for me. So I think only because of Derrick Henry, I think they're probably gonna, you know, want to get that get smart from that loss to Buffalo out of their that taste from that loss to Buffalo out of their mouth. So I'm picking Tennessee again. I'm, that's I guess my better judgment, but. <laughs> It'll be interesting. Uh, the last of the new games you got, you know, this time the NFC East, you got the Eagles and the Commanders. Christine, you start this one for us. I am going to go with the Eagles. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> the revenge game. Of, like that. <laughs> yeah, the revenge game for Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. I'm yeah. going with them. Philadelphia's the six-point favorite. I think Carson Wentz, this will be a, one of the few times before he gets hurt. That he'll get motivated to play against his former team. Thank so you. I'm I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to hop on that bandwagon before he gets hurt. Not wishing that on anybody, but I'm just saying. So I, I'm going with Washington because they are home and they are a six point underdog. Talking about Washington. Yeah, they come off a short week. The Eagles are, but I don't trust Washington. I know their defense, but you know, Carson Wentz, I don't know where I'm going to get with him. So I'm going to pick Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a close one like, again, like the usually is between these two teams. But I think I think Philly does enough to win this game, I feel like. All right. A pair of one-to-ones here. You got the Jaguars and the Chargers. Chargers, you know, first of the 3 o'clock games. Okay, Chargers. You got you know, the Jags, you know, traveling cross-country. You better not – look, you had 10 days off after that loss to the Chiefs. Come on in. You know, Justin Herbert, I'm going to need you to step up. I know you've been a little bit banged up. You Hopefully you're all healed up. Defense, I need to free you to step up as well, uh, Los Angeles. So uh, it's going to be a close game. I'll, I'll give the Jazz a little bit of credit there, but I'm picking the Chargers. I'm picking the Chargers too, keeping it short and sweet. <laughs> this is my upset special of the week. I'm going with the Jaguars. You mentioned what? Justin Herbert is banged up. I know he had a couple extra days because they played last Thursday. Mm-hmm. My guy, Keenan Allen, at wide receiver, I don't think he's going to play. I know the Chargers defense got to step up to keep him in it, but uh, I saw, I liked what I saw in Jacksonville last week. So I think they'd be able to keep it going on the road. Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, the company. Give me the Jags. Is, and the Los Angeles Chargers are seven-point home favorites. Jeez, yeah, he's taking the Trevor Lawrence Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, look, that gives us gives us a chance to catch up, uh, Christine. Don't don't worry. Hopefully, that'll <laughs> be the case here. Uh, I believe I don't know. I don't know. This probably they probably won't get this game. You know, us here in Chicago, but you got the Rams and the Cardinals. I'll be watching this game via this lovely uh, laptop here. Uh, Christine, <laughs> you start this one for us. You know. What happened for Arizona was a fluke, and I think the Rams are a better team on paper. I'm going with the Rams. Yes, as you said, Christine, great rain by Arizona last week. I know the Rams are banged up right now, but uh, the Rams, they are a better team. They're favored by three and a half on the road. I'm taking the Rams in the points, so let's see what the Rams can do. I'm going with the Rams. This is my upset special. It's going to be a close one, but I'm picking the Cardinals. Like for the reasons Uh-oh. that you guys just said, yeah, <laughs> you believe the Afro Killer Murray? <laughs> uh, well, well, look, I, I think, well, I think the Rams are a little bit banged up. That defense, you know, the, it's okay, but it's it's kind of opportunistic too. So, I think this could be the key for Kyler Murray. I think they want to feel like that that win against uh, La- Las Vegas wasn't wasn't a fluke. So I think it's going to be a close one, but I think the Cardinals will just pull it off like, only because I think they're at home. That's why I'm picking them. Uh, another 325 game on Fox. You got the Falcons and the Seahawks. Uh, I'll start this one, I guess. 
Uh, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be one of those ugly games, I think. You know, Atlanta was right there above the games they, they played. Seahawks, I know they're going to be smarter from that loss to San Fran. I'll pick the Seahawks. I think Gino has a bounce back game. Uh, gosh, this is this is a toilet bowl for me, you know. <laughs> but I am going to pick Seattle for the exact reasons that you said, Lakina. Seattle's favored by one point. That means they had to pick them. The over-under total is 42. <laughs> I'm going with the Falcons just because. Yeah, come <laughs> oh, on. Oh, you're, <laughs> they could just do it just to kind of be able right. to just be a pain. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't be a hater. <laughs> uh, Packer, this, I think this is going to be the game that a lot of us here are going to be watching, or all, both here and I think where you are, Christine. I think the Packers mm-hmm. and the Bucks. This should be a fun one with these America's teams. game of the week. Uh, exactly. So you're going to have Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, uh, Aaron Andrews, and, of course, Tom Rinaldi on the call there for Fox. So, uh Oh Jesus! So you start this one. This is like kind of. Oh, uh, this will be the last time. This will be the last time we'll see Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady uh, in the regular season. Of course, we'll get to see him one more time if they meet up in the playoffs. But as far as this game is concerned, uh, the Packers they should be able to run the ball, even though Tampa's defense is much better than the Bears. But Tampa, I need to see them uh, get their offense going, in particular the passing game. Uh, uh, Mike Evans probably won't play because of. He did something stupid last week trying to start a brawl. And Tampa said home, they usually play Green Bay tough at home. So, Tom Brady, if you have something left, I'll, we want to see it. So, I'm going with the Buccaneers. And the spread is Buccaneers by a point. So, it's basically had to pick them. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, I, I don't like this, but I'm going with the Packers. And it's because, look, Evans is officially suspended for this game. It's only one game, and this is it. Um, and they, but the Bucks on the flip side still had a great win after all of that drama. Um, I, I don't, I almost really don't want to pick the Packers because I don't think they really, besides Aaron Rodgers' arm, I don't think the Packers did really anything that impressive, especially now that Devontae Adams is not with them anymore. I, I just didn't see anything that like was like wow that was really good you know what i mean um but I, again it's a pick em situation so i'm i'm picking the packers unfortunately yeah breaking news guys i'm watching espn right now this just in with max kellerman sam Acho, one time chicago bear he also agrees with christine he's picking the lions over the vikings <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. Will, will it be a big surprise if that did that were that were the case? I mean, I don't think anybody would be shocked by that if the Lions pull off that upset. And I think we wouldn't be wouldn't be upset either. So we'll see. Now back to this game. Uh, I'm, I guess I'll pick the Bucks just because they're at home. It, it's going to be close, but like I said, Rodgers might throw for like four touchdowns. He might ha- he might have his breakouts uh, game of the season. So who knows? Uh, 49ers and Bronco- Broncos. Uh, a Sunday night game should be a fun one on NBC. Uh, you know what? I don't know how the altitude. I don't know how they're gonna feel about the altitude, but it really shouldn't be that big of a factor. It's gonna be close. But I'm picking San Fran just because I, I don't trust the Broncos and what they're doing. I I really don't. <laughs> I'm going with the Four Uniters as well, and they are favored by a point and a half. You know, as Coach Kyle of the 49ers say, Jimmy G, he still is a good player, and he's still handsome. Looks good, stills handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I highly agree with that. Um, And I think he looks great too. You know, I think 
it's unfortunate what happened to, to Trey Lance and the, the way that his season had to go down like that. Um, but there's a reason why they kept Jimmy G on, you know, and, and I think this is in a weird way how it was supposed to happen to have Jimmy G come back like, like this. And look, I think Denver's still a good team. I just think that Daniel Hackett doesn't know what the heck he's doing, especially after last week when they're calling down the shot clock, 10, 9, whatever the, the Bronco fans were doing. But I am going to pick the 49ers here. Should be a fun one on Sunday night. And also, too, should be a good one here on Monday. Who would have thought? Uh, that'll be on ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, and ESPN Deportes. you got old NFC East rivals battling it out, Cowboys and Giants. Sid, you start this one. I can't believe I'm about to re- uh, let these words kind of come out of my mouth. And they're going to play the Bears next week. You're going to watch the soon-to-be three and old Giants beat the injured Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> oh, boy. And you know I don't like Daniel Jones as a quarterback, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, the Giants are favored by one point. I know Dallas got, got lucky last week because Cincinnati, that was they, they were just that much worse. The Giants, they, 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 they're doing what they're supposed to do, do being two bad teams. Uh, unfortunately, Dak is not going to play, but I think that's going to be a major factor in why the Giants are going to win. And of course, the Giants are at home. I'm going to pick the Giants, too. Exactly what you said. The injuries are stacked against Dallas right now. Dak isn't playing this week. It's just it's a tough week to be a Cowboy right now. So, Giants, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm picking the Giants, too. I, I'll, I'll drink the Kool-Aid, and we're going to be, you know, the Bears are going to be facing the 3-0 Giants, it looks like, next week. So, like, oh, good grief. Uh, that'll be a fun one there uh, with uh, Joe and Troy and Lisa Salted out there, you know, calling the action there from uh, New Jersey. Now, of course, last but not least, you got the Texans and the Bears on CBS, and I believe Andrew Kellon and James Lofton will be calling this game, I believe, for CBS, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this, they're literally a mirror images of each other. So it's going to be very interesting to see, like, opportunistic, you know, with the defense and such. I'll pick the Bears, but I'm not, again, I'm not confident. It'll, they're going to be right near the bottom for me in the confidence <laughs> pick. So it'll be close, but I think the Bears pull it out barely, if that makes sense. <laughs> barely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Bears are currently three-point favorites at home. Like you said, uh, Lakina, this is uh, picking the worst of two evils. Uh, the Texas office looks worse than the Bears, and the Bears have the quote-unquote better personnel because of some of their names. I'm going with the Bears. They should be able to win this one, but it's not going to be easy. No, you're right. It's not going to be easy. And, you know, this is a this is a little homecoming for Lovey, you know? Like, he's he's back in Chicago. I don't know how warm of a welcome Santa's going to get, but time will tell for that. Um, (laughs) But uh, like I said, when we were first picking, when we started the season, I originally picked the 49ers to win over the Bears. But I I did say I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears did win that game. And that was probably one of the games, one of the few games I expected them to win. Same for this one in Houston. I kind of expect the Bears to win this one just because they are one in the same team. So because of – it's just going to be an ugly game to watch. It it is what it is. And I hope 
there are going to be a lot of improvements being shown after Sunday night's game. So Bears, I'm I'm picking you once again. <laughs> Good, yeah, this could like this could be one of those like real, I know our our buddy Chance Johnson had like 24, 21. I don't even think it's going to be that much. It might be like one of those 12, 9, 10, right. 7 kind of deals. So like I I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it'll it'll be a. It'll be something. I, I think. Well, I, I apologize to the guys that are going to be calling this game. I, I, I firmly apologize to them in advance. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Andrew and uh, James. You're going to be. Uh, this might be a little bit of a stinker here, but <laughs> that's a whole different situation. And those are our picks for NFL Week Three. Listen to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, our girl KXRB's Christine Manica joining us again as she usually does for our weekly uh picks here uh should we have the taps music for the white Sox, uh christine uh you know like what the heck happened in their series against the guardians <laughs> you know the guardians are one sneaky team you know that nobody saw this coming from them especially with the goofy name change who who would have thunk that this is that this is where we are today um I, I think the White Sox should just finish the season as strong as they can at this point and start thinking about next season, especially when it comes to a general manager now. We got to start thinking, oh, not the coach. We, we got to start thinking, you know, not La Russa anymore. I don't think La Russa should come back per se. Um, I think the Sox – played better when he wasn't around for, for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I think it's time to, to get a new, to get a new guy on the bench. And, and I think Larusa is still going to be involved with an organization in some way, just, just not in the dugout. I, he, I don't think he can handle it anymore. Yeah. We saw what the real White Sox were like early this week. Lance Lance said after Wednesday's game, when you play like crap and this is what you expect, crap results. And of course the legendary uh, Cleveland now guardians radio announcer Tom Hamilton said it perfectly. The Cleveland guardians fans like the way their team plays like while the White Sox fans hate the way their team plays. He could have been more spot on. And yeah. so if you guys missed that tweet. I tweeted it out uh, mm -hmm. the other day. Lakina, I said this before and I'll say this uh, again, especially to you, Christine. Dallas Keuchel, who's no longer there, and looks like it may be Tony LaRusa will be moving on. Of course, he has one more year left on his contract. But yeah. those two guys I just mentioned, it's got to be more than than those just those just those two guys that I do have to pay for what happened this year. Will it be General Manager Khan, who was a lot of people, including surely thinking his head should be on the chopping block. If that's the case, who's going to be uh, the next GM? And they got to make a couple of trades throughout this all season. Uh, you cannot run the same exact team back next year. The attitude stunk the offensive philosophy until Miguel Cairo took over at the end of August was terrible. You cannot single your way into a championship. It doesn't work when you have a home run hitting team. It doesn't work. It'll be interesting to see if they decide to, you know, one of those guys that gets gets traded. We'll see, you know, if Jose Abreu, do you kind of, you know, sort of like cut your loss with him and try to get something from him for him? Well, I he's mean, a free agent. So Well, yeah, well, yeah. And I think that do you try to re-sign him? You know, do you maybe there are a couple other guys that are out there that are, you know, they're gonna be up uh next year, or do you try to trade some pieces, you know, a couple of those pieces from from them? You know, do you let Abreu walk? Do you let some other a couple other guys walk? So a lot, there's a lot of questions to ask here about the White Sox, you know, this offseason. So 
still gonna have plenty of time to think about it in about a couple of weeks. So you yeah. know, I guess you'll have to wait and see there. Of course, some breaking news here. Roquan Smith is questionable. Uh, he has not practiced all week, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, we'll be he'll be able well. to play play on Sunday against Houston. And uh the Bills, if you look at the Bills uh, injury report, it's pretty long. And a lot of guys, you know, were either limited or didn't practice today. So, you know, I know Michael Hyde's already been ruled out, but it really shouldn't be a big of a problem against the Dolphins. But, again, we'll have to wait and see. I know Ed yeah. Oliver also I has been ruled out, too. Okay. Yeah, I know Christine wanted to say something about the White Sox. Oh, sorry, Christine. Yeah. yeah, no, sorry. Really quick, I wanted to go back what you were saying about – Finding the bad attitude in the locker room, Sid. In, in your opinion, who would who would that be? Would it be the coaches, or which player are you thinking of? It's uh, talking about um about the attitude in the clubhouse. Attitude, yeah. Talking about yeah, the clubhouse you, attitude. Uh, I I think it would be on the players because you heard the quotes all year from Liam Hendricks and various other players. Uh, they thought they could just roll roll their gloves out there, expecting people the their opponents to back down from them. It could come from the coaches, but I think that this is on the players because mm-hmm. the late Kobe Bryant said this, and to lesser extent, Michael Jordan said this too. You cannot go into a new season expected to do the same thing. Your opponents are going to get better. We know that you all have some new teammates on your team, and the White Sox, uh, we love them because uh, the change the game um, uh, logo that they have, uh, change in the game, uh, having that swagger, but you got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. I, I get it, got, you got to be confident, but there's a difference between being confident and being delusional. And this team was delusional all year long. We, we said this, Lakina, Minnesota wasn't going away. They didn't go away. But Cleveland was lurking in the background. Remember that May 9th game, the Josh Naylor game? That was mm-hmm. the first sign, but we didn't notice at the time. At the All-Star break, the White Sox were in second place after beating Minnesota mm-hmm. three out of four in a row. Yep. There were three games back at 500. Who was lurking around? Cleveland. While the White Sox were still wet in the bed, who was making that noise in August? Cleveland. Well, I mean, look, I, I, we, excuse me, I warned everybody. I said, look, you know, you guys are worried about uh, Minnesota, but yeah, look, there's Cleveland kind of like lurking, you know, waiting in the wings. So, mm-hmm. and now look what's happening. So, like, uh, just put us out of our misery, uh, Guardians. Just, you know, finish up. Don't have a letdown series against the, uh, the Rangers. You know, <laughs> like, just put us out of our misery I'm, and mine. But I think that I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> All right, real quick. I know we're like really we're past the break, uh, past it here. But uh, what do y'all think about the whole situation with Emi Udoka and you know the Celtics? I mean, he got suspended the full season, and then now there's rumors that that maybe that the relationship wasn't really consensual. That she he might have been stuck. It, it's just there's just so many things that are going on right now in that whole situation. Christy, I know you had a lot. You have a lot to say about this. Uh, well, it's it, with the Celtics organization. Even if it was consensual, they're still not allowed to have any sort of relationships yep. like within the organization, which is understandable because business is business. Mm-hmm. They almost went to the, they almost went all the way last year. So I can understand that for sure. Um, the, the whole, it seems like this all happened just because the relationship ended and one party got a little bit more bitter than the other party. If that kind of makes sense. And the messed up thing is he, uh, He's engaged, I believe, to not Mia Long. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they have a child together too. Yeah, so it's I I don't know what's going on there, but clearly, um, it, you feel bad for 
for Nia, first of all, for going through something like this in a public eye when she has done a lot of movies, a lot of Tyler Perry movies, but you really don't see her name out in the public eye like this, if that makes sense. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, do I think it should have been a whole year suspension? I, I'm not sure because you're only suspending him for a year. But then to have him come back in 23, 24, how are the players going to react to that? You know, they're they're used to this one guy, the interim coach, and then they go back to to this guy. It, it's kind of a it's it's confusing from a from a boss employee perspective. You know, the basketball players, their boss is their coach. So it, I don't know. It's just kind of going to be an interesting dynamic for the next couple of years for them. Yeah. Real quickly, Keenan, we talked about this before you went on there. If this is, uh, since he's suspended for a year as of, uh, as of this broadcast, it, it must have, like I said, we don't know the details yet. I'll repeat again. We don't know the full details yet. He must've really had to do something serious for him to get a, get a, uh, get a year suspension. If that's the case, he can quietly resign, keep mm -hmm. it, keep his name out. Yeah. Out of the yep. spotlight. Talking about Udoka, keep his name out of the spotlight for next season. Then the season after that, uh, he'll do the whole apologizing PR thing. And that's how he's going to get back into coaching. He's not going to coach the Celtics again. I guarantee you that. Yeah, he might go to like therapy or something, you know, maybe mm -hmm. go to like, you know, some type sure. of treatment or, or, yeah. or whatever, just kind of like save face and such. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure all this stuff will probably come out at some point. I know people are, are fishing for like the woman's name. I, I, I mean, look, they're going to a whole different territory here. Like, I, I don't look, we're not, we're look, we're not, you know, lawyers. We're not like, you know, HR mm -hmm. people, you know, we're not going to pretend to play on the play one here on this show. But uh, I, I just think that, you know, the whole thing just seems sort of weird. And like you said, Christine, I mean, I can understand why and it's not just, I'm sure there are other teams that have similar rules sure. where uh, organizations you know in general have similar mm -hmm. rules where look no friend nice or anything like that for mm -hmm. this for this type of situation just avoid these yeah. type of situations so i don't think we've heard the last of this and uh i wouldn't be surprised if he you know if he decides to cut his losses and try to work on his family and whatever now the rules that made that he and the mi have already broken up before this happened so there there's still so many things that are out there so much speculation is just you know a little crazy, but uh, you know, but look, but let, let's sit on a happier note, of course. You know, the Bulls will be getting ready to uh, media day for the Bulls is next week. Also, to the Blackhawks, they're having their media day right now. Our buddy Chris Foster's, you know, check out his uh, social media. You know, there he can take his on media pictures and such. So, really cool, you know. Look, you know, the Sox and the Cubs are like they're done, but the 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 well, the Blackhawks, we're not gonna expect too much from them, but the the Bulls. Looks like they might, you know, be, you know, hopefully, you know, well, Lonzo, that whole situation, she's, but. Yeah, he's going to have his surgery next week, and hopefully he'll return by uh, January 1st of 2023. If that happens, uh, the Bulls will be a better team. We saw it last year when he was healthy. The Bulls were a much better team because he made that offense go. Christine, got anything to add? Yeah, you know, I expect a, another good season from the Bulls. I think now they're getting the mechanics underway, and hopefully with Ball, like you said, he'll be he'll be back and ready to go for the team. Yeah, absolutely. So now on a happier note, we'll, we'll, we'll stop right there. Uh, happy belated birthday <laughs> to, your, to your guy, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, Chris, you know, he uh, celebrated his birthday yesterday. Thank you. So, yeah. yeah. We're, we're going out for his birthday tonight, and I don't think he's listening right now, so I can say this. He doesn't know that it's a surprise party for him that's happening tonight. Ah, so, any oh, more okay. surprises? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, many more surprises, so hopefully it will all okay. go well. 
Oh, ex excellent. Ap excellent. Excellent. So, uh, on a hat, see, we made it on a happy note. So, with that said, yes. Paul, Ben, Keenan will be on the Twitter and Akito's going to be on the IG. <laughs> you can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D A zero. S I D K I D A zero. Christine, where can the lovely people follow you? They can follow me at cmanica underscore KXRB. All right, folks, it's fall out there, so get those sweaters and jackets and hoodies, you know, ready for you. Enjoy all the games. Got some great uh, matchups this week. Also, make sure you check out uh, Roger Federer's last match. You know, that'll be on Tennis Channel. I think it's going to be streamed on other places as well, so make sure you guys check that out as well. So, uh, you know, all the enjoy all the games. You know, busy weekend in sports. Mm -hmm. So, for Sid and Christine, I'm Lakina. This has been Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, and we'll see you Monday. Dog bears, holla! <laughs>